throughout and referencing points in those videos. They literally copyright struck me before it ever actually went live, everybody. Literally, right? Maybe they saw that first video with it. You know what I mean? It's like, congratulations, you can keep my 15 cents, but damn, really? 15 cents, that's what you're worried about, Amazon? You that? Are you that thick in it for that? You you can go on ahead. I'm posting it anyway. You're welcome. You, you, you saved me for my 15 cents I'd make off that video. Congratulations. Welcome to the party. We are looking for more of your podcast for all things gaming with a focus on MMOs, RPGs, game development, and gaming culture. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg, and I'm joined today by our returning party members. Let's welcome back Renfell. New friends. And welcome back Daedalus once again. Hello, everyone. Yeah, definitely uh, was shocked to see Daedalus join us again so soon, but definitely pleasantly surprised. Unfortunately, we are without Nathan, but uh, good news is that he'll be here next week, so you never know. Maybe we'll have four people here next week. Um, before we get dug in, though, do want to give a shout-out to all the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Thank you so much for keeping the parties bags packed. Provision stock for all adventures here on the show. Also, as usual, if you'd like to give us a solid thumbs up, go review us on iTunes. You can go catch the pinned post over at the LFM show on Twitter. And right there at the top, you'll see the pinned podcast places. And you can go give us a five star review, leave us a comment on the show, and let us know what you think. And we will read it here live. Um, also, you can call into 1 539 664 6801 to leave us a voice message here for us to read or listen to rather live on the show um we got a lot of stuff on the agenda today friends there's a lot going on in gaming and geek news um yeah any big highlights for you all guys for the past week anything that really stands out i got youtube partner today congrats congrats yeah it's uh it's been a good week i've been riding that uh hate train for, for oh. rings of power yeah and uh it has it has <laughs> In a joking manner, but uh, mm. I've been doing that, and we're we're in our second week of Lord of the Rings Online with our gaming community. Nice. And Chris and I are just doing lots of move prep. It's been the boring mm. stuff, but I'd say the highlight of my week was definitely YouTube's been banging out for me the last nice. few days, so that's been pretty cool. So. Yeah, definitely congratulations on that. And uh, yeah, I think, I think speaking of... Lord of the Rings. I think there was actually something in news on that one coming up too, if I'm not mistaken, that we got on our agenda today for Lotro. Um, talking about the Rangers and Ruins. Um, we'll we'll chat about that in a little bit here, though. How about you, Daedalus? I've just been grinding away, like doing my thing at, at work, but um, getting excited for you know our topics today. Oh, yeah. So, you know, particularly, obviously, you know, you could probably <laughs> tell what I'm excited for, especially, <laughs> um, but. Uh, but as far as like gaming, I'm really looking forward to Elden Ring and giving that a, a spin, mm. and so kind of been I'm looking at that. Just I'm so Absolutely. on the fence about that. I know mm. everybody I talk to is like, it's gonna be awesome, it's gonna be awesome, and I I keep holding back, not because I don't think it's gonna be because it's gonna be a good game, but because I'm still just waiting. I want somebody to tell me something about the story. Like I need to see story because I've played lots of open world games before, and that to me is like okay. Cool. Yeah. 
lots of really cool open world games that I love to mm-hmm. death, and I'm sure I will love it just for it being a really cool open world game. But mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin was there. What did he do? Please show me what he did. Yeah, um, how much of it really impacts the world too? Right, that's what I want to know. I'm still waiting for that. So. Yeah, it's definitely you know I like open world um, MMORPGs and uh, you know RPGs and things like that, but for me it's like i love breath of the wild the legend of zelda it's it's definitely an amazing game right but one of the things that took away from how great that game was was like this chasing all of those little towers and go or not just towers but the little uh what do you call it man the uh puzzle area yeah yeah there was like tons of them and that was like just saturated the map and that was essentially what you chase aside from the dlc content that was out later and um yeah so definitely going more of like a sand park route i think and really tying story in which i know we've talked about that a lot here before so um but i wanted to actually note something there are specific terms that have come from that i've i've crafted and created here around this show or maybe on the ashes pathfinder podcast i'm not always sure exactly where i create these words but they're on one or the other for sure so if you don't know what the ashes pathfinder podcast is you can catch us on sunday at 5 p.m here on the channel um daedalus is generally almost always there as well um he's my ride or die co-host for that one and so (laughs) Here are the terms that have come up on this show or the other show. And I'm going to add a new one to the list today. So game splain was the first one that came up when the developers want to tell you what pay to win is, for example, so they can redefine it. So it, that, in their own terms, in their own terms, so that, that they, the defining the definition of what that word means doesn't look like what they're doing, which in fact is usually pay to win. So gamesplain, let's start using these words, right? Gamesplain. The uh, next one that came up that I created that, you know, as far as I know, I'm the only one that came up with this. So I'm, I'm using these words. They're very important because I want them to trend for reason because they have a lot of meaning. Scam starter. These mm-hmm. are kickstarted or crowdfunded games that do dirty things by the community. I would consider one that's on our topic for today, Titan Reach, to be one of those, especially after the things that have come out recently. Mm-hmm. I would consider Chronicles of Illyria to be one, right? I don't know that I'd say Camelot Unchained is one or necessarily that Star Citizen is one. I think those are very different circumstances, but definitely Dream World, anyone? These games, right? It just pitches you this really amazing, uh, you know, thing, all the catchwords, all the buzzwords, all the stuff and things you've ever wanted to hear and to pull the rug out from under you. Next one on the agenda for today, as it relates to Titan Reach and my experience in the Discord server that was, you know, came to life as a result of the uh, community rallying together and having a place to talk about their their issues, their grievances, the things that were going down. Why would they need to do that? Well, one specific reason is because of the fact that the developer deleted the other places that they could go and communicate within their community domains, like the Reddit, like the Twitter, um, the Discord, I think, is gone, too, if I'm not mistaken at this point. And leech devs would be the new term for today. A trend that I'm seeing is when I was in that Discord 
Do you know what I noticed? People like this guy, JTLR Brad, and someone else that was in that Discord pitching their game for like Shattered Relics, and I forget the other one. I forget the other name now, but Bound, Shattered Relics was one. Bounded, was so unbounded or something. Uh, Valor Bound or something yes, like that's that. Yes, what it was. was that it? I, okay. I watched your video the other day and used it as a reference point. It's Valor Bound. These two, they were pitching their game in the Discord. To me, that is directly trying to take advantage of a situation where other people are unfortunate, misfortune, whatever you want to say. And it's like, yeah, 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 but we're giving you free stuff. Yeah, but you're pitching your product. God, man, that's like going to someone's funeral and pitching your casket services. <laughs> like, Yes. Oh, that's a really good way to, yeah, that's a really good way to explain that. It certainly yeah. is. It's just dirty. It's like, come on, man. Be, be a decent human being, y'all. Like, just a little bit. So, New terms. Let's just we're gonna keep them rolling. Okay, we're gonna keep these new terms, right? That they, they sound so scary, you don't want them, right? You don't want them, you don't want to be categorized under these terms because it looks really bad for a reason. So these are this is my this is my new term right here. Leech devs. Indie devs, devs in general that go and they leech off of other people's misfortune just to boost their that's not the way to do it, homies. It's not the way. That's shitty. Sorry, I'm going to try to like curse less, right? I'm going to try to curse less, okay? I'm going to try. I, I, my mouth, my potty mouth has been getting away with me lately. But my my point is, it's scummy. It's so not cool, man. It just feels really messed up, right? That's that's my, that's my take, okay? So this is going to be the segue into discussing something I think is important for the 70th episode of this podcast, and that's mm-hmm. Community First. Okay, and there are some examples today that we're going to be referencing where I just do not believe that is what we're seeing. Okay, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we move through the show. Um, now, Renfill, I know you've been asking me lately, Sim, when's that video coming out about Embers Adrift? Yeah, I'm just curious. The answer and other people have been asking me too, but this... It, Renfield's more at the core of this one, right? Which is why he was my first go-to reference point there. It's been sitting there. I've had it for a week. It's a rant. Oh, it's a rant. I've listened to it. It's pretty, it's pretty harsh. I still stand by my statements and confidently feel good about them. So you'll get it by Saturday. Why Saturday? Why, why such a specific period of time to put that out? Because I think it's important that the information is communicated consistently over a period of time leading up to this world breaker event. Oh, it's going to be broken. All right. I think because people need to understand the facts and, and evidence that are there that others are trying, in my opinion, and the evidence would probably support this opinion slash theory, which is hide. So you don't understand from a historical perspective where this game is actually at and how much progress it's actually made since I don't know, like two years ago. And it ain't much, but I'm not gonna say anything else. It's coming up soon, right? Understand everything I'm sharing. Like when I say this is there, this is that, like these are facts. That game is launching. It looks like it's gonna be launching with things into its state here that have not changed in two years as evidenced by their own recent YouTube videos. And as evidenced by my past, run through of the game, which is also on YouTube. Okay, so I'm just gonna put it there. This is one that I think people gotta watch out for. 
And I've got plenty of reasons behind that. So it's important on a game like Embers Adrift to do your due diligence, man. Do your research. Just because another game is out there doesn't mean it's necessarily going to have a lot of what they they might be outlining it's going to have. And I'm putting it there. And Titan Reach was an example of that. I'm briefly going to touch on that one, too. It ain't looking good, okay? The long and short of that one is what? The developer... It looks like he just basically gambled on crypto and it didn't pan out. Uh, He may be not able to pay off his Tesla, which he... Did he get that with funded money? I mean, how did did you get a Tesla that you're going to possibly have to now... This is from his own words, like, and it possibly now have to... This is it's as sloppy as it's getting here lately. They're just getting sloppier and sloppier at this. It seems like. Yeah, my favorite part of the Titan Reach thing um, was, and I did a video on this the other day where I, I and I had to be careful because there are other games that we can't. I can't mention. Other people Truth. can mention, but I can't mention. But there are games, several games in development that mm-hmm. have been flaunting that fully funded catchphrase and throwing that around and I, I keep coming back to the to the Inigo Montoya quote from uh, Princess Bride that word I don't think it means what you think it means like and <laughs> it's right. just you know it's it's a marketing phrase trust us you can trust us give us your money we're totally mm. coming out in three months six months next year two years we got everything we need believe us and then <gasps> buying a Tesla with investor money and 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 gambling on crypto until you lose the investor that was literally your golden goose Mm -hmm. completely funding your game all the way to the finish line it could have anyway was happy to do so without apparently supposedly you know um um but there are there are more than that there's more than just their company who have gone out there and used that catchphrase yeah fully funded yep. as a means of trying to convince people that you can trust us we, we've never launched a product it doesn't matter we're fully funded trust us well we've never seen from any of these companies we've never seen the ink on any of the contracts they've never mentioned in in most cases i would argue that most of these independent companies that that use that phrasing, that catchphrase, fully funded. I've never actually seen them come out and publicly state, we have a partnership with this person, this company, these five investors. Oh no, it's all smoke yeah. and mirrors. It's we were given mm-hmm. a six-figure investment by this person, and we've got a seven-figure investment from over here. And where's the proof? Like, where are the man, yeah. you can even show us a redacted contract that at least shows dates with names redacted and stuff like we never see any of that. No. Um, we just are told, trust us, give us your money. We're fully funded. Mm-hmm. Titan yeah, Reach was I technically just, month to month, even with that angel investor. So even though right. someone committed that, they they still weren't, that dude still was not honest about it being fully funded because that's not fully funded. No, that's, that's Getting, monthly even if, funding. Even if it was, yeah. even if it was the sum that was mentioned, I think, which was 150,000 a month, which is a good chunk of change. Um, even mm. if that was the literal sum that was given, that's not fully no. fully funded means that you were given a $3 million or $5 million or whatever sum of money that's going to get you all the way to the finish line and completes all of the features that you claim are going to be in the launch mm-hmm. title. Something I've seen from other games, and I, and I think without me specifically stating which title we're talking about. I know you have an upcoming video that's going to be showcasing some of this particular title. Yeah. There are games out there which have made the claim of fully funded 
which if you watch some of the content that's out on social yeah. media, there seems to be a lack of content, right. like huge yeah. zones with no creatures, wildlife, no harvestable nodes, no NPCs, nothing. And when animations are questioned or criticized, the comment is, well, we don't have the money to pay for an animator. And I'm like, wait a second, you said you were fully funded. How can you be fully funded but not have the money? What? Like this is what I was talking about in the video the other day. And again, not mentioning specifics because that can get me into legal trouble. But there are multiple titles out there that are doing these types of things where it's like fully funded means yeah. that you have all the money you need to hire all of the core staff that you need to get a complete, complete, functional and polished product out the door. I, I feel like some of these indie studios are like, we're indie, and that means that we don't have to be polished, and we can have bad graphics and choppy performance and lack of content and all this other stuff. But it's like, what you're doing is you're ruining it for all the other... Because now no other angel investor is ever going to want to blindly give a company money like this guy did for a Titan Reach. Because mm -hmm. that guy has now... He's now pissed that opportunity away for every other indie developer out there no. and these other companies these other little indie teams that are using the fully funded title sorry to rant um no it's true though it, you know it's it's as they continue to fail chronicles of Illyria, you know uh, titan reach uh, etc as these games continue to fail it just makes it harder and harder for investors you know production companies publishers etc to trust indie teams with big dreams which sucks because there are some really cool dreams out there and i feel like you know i don't know this this also i'm going to spin this around real quick just because my, my wife asked me the question the other day how much does it cost to make a movie and i went well that's a that is a difficult question to answer because like on the one hand you've got like robert rodriguez who made his first film for seven thousand dollars with him and his buddy in a handheld you right. know that first film before desperado like it was a short oh, yeah. film and it was made for seven thousand bucks now if you look at that film it's obviously an indie film because it didn't have any production value to it, but it was still edited and cut together in a yeah. manner that told a good story. And you could see the potential of what Robert Rodriguez was bringing to the table as a director, even in, in that gritty, crappy little $7,000 mm -hmm. feature short film. Um, and I feel like because of all these bad decisions being made by indie teams like Titan Reach and so on and so forth, you're not going to be able to see – more opportunities like that prop up because no one's going to have any trust left. Yeah. And man, and the thing too, with, uh, with this, with this particular situation is, is that like way back when this was in some people here probably remember, I actually did like a live stream of this, right? I actually, cause on their Kickstarter, Titan reach had a uh, demo you could play. And I jumped in there and nothing in that demo, right? They they were like, here's our vision. And then you jump in and it's like, you literally have the shit you said you didn't want in your game in this demo. Fundamentally, that's like a problem. And, and it's situations like this that make me really thankful for games like Ashes because Ashes of Creation is fully funded. It's one of those rare examples. And how is it funded? Because literally the guys that are running the show right are wealthy they have what it'll take to financially support this game through to completion regardless of any additional funding that's fully funded that's like reliably fully funded like 
you know, if you say fully funded, you don't have like some contract, which you said redacted, you could have things blurred out, whatever. But this guy, it was so sus whenever they took that game down and we're like, we, we aren't going to make it. And then all of a sudden it was like within a week, we got an angel investor. It's fully funded. And you're like, uh, okay, that's a cool story. Like, where's the details? Nothing. There was like nothing. I, I was really suspicious oh. when it came out. And of course, Kira TV, you know, not to name drop or whatever, he mm. apparently went out and confirmed who that person was way back when. But I remember watching and the news around that and thinking to myself, I know how hard I had to work to go out and raise funding for Saga of Leucemia with, with, you know, for Stormhaven Studios. Um, that was several years of not quite nonstop pitching, but definitely, you know, every month doing lots of pitches and working up to the point where we got Bob Brown signed on board. Um, and, and that, that mm -hmm. was a culmination of having started at the end of 2017, all of 18, all of 19, all of 20, the three and a half years to get to that point and raising all that money that we raised along the way, that was not easy. And investors, every single one of the ones that we landed, they mm -hmm. want something in return. Like the, the idea of getting an investor who says no strings attached, here's $150,000 a month. That is mind blowing to me. That, that you could even find a Robin Hood figure like that, um, mm. which still to this day, I would love to believe that that is a true story, but there's still a part of me that thinks there's got to be some sort of – there has to have been some sort of paperwork signed because from a tax perspective – but here's the other thing too. Considering that the supposed investor was a crypto guy, that's such an unregulated market. He might not even give a shit because it's unregulated cash. Yeah. Like so there's – but there's so many – at least in the United States, like um, this year on my tax filing, I don't know if you guys have, have done your taxes yet this year, no, but I no. specifically uh, – there's a form that I had to fill out for my taxes this year um, for uh, – there's a whole clause now, at least with my, with my account. Oh, right. there's, a, there's a clause mm -hmm. in there now that specifically covers any sort of crypto NFT, anything related to digital currency, the crypto and NFT market. You have to disclose that, and if you don't – the federal government will and can and will come after you. And the other thing is that they expect you to not only report yours, but if you're dealing with NFTs, they want to know everybody who's involved and they want to see the, the cookie trail that leads back to the ownership of the NFT so they can make sure everyone is reporting that income. So the idea to me that some crypto investor from South Africa or wherever it was yeah. was just giving this guy $150,000 a month willy-nilly, no, no paperwork. like – just Nothing. don't believe it. I, I don't just either. don't believe it because of tax purposes. Yeah. There's too many reasons that just doesn't add up. It's like there's some expectation for someone who's going to fund, you know, put that kind of money into this, right? It's just hard for me not to believe it. And here's the thing. If there wasn't an expectation, how come he's not still funding it? It was there one way or the other because if it wasn't, the funding would still be going on. Unless they just ran out of money, in which case they weren't honest about doing it either. So there's like tons of things that we can we could hit on here, but it just seems like a really good time to be a game dev, right? I use air quotes for the listeners on that game yeah, dev. It, you know how many yeah. indie game devs are popping up these days? I think Dreamworld was just the tip of the iceberg. Like oh, yeah. that was like the I think that was like the tip, and then we went like that was like a launch pad of like how scummy 
can we really get in God. order to lure people in and get money from them in cash grabs? Like what, 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 what's the level of scam starter we can get to, you know, like exactly. what catchphrases, what, you know, Who can be NFT. the greatest scam starter. Yeah, man. And get I away just with feel it. Like, ugh. And get away with it. Cause let's be fair so far. A lot of them are. If there's one that hasn't gotten away with it yet, they they might it might go into the news and it might reach, uh, you know, media outlets. But but real talk, if they're in court, they're not they're there's they're not accountable yet. Anybody yeah, know of any that closest are is probably what Chronicles of Valyria is the closest to there being and closure, but we still don't pending. know. Yeah, and it's all pending. There's and it's all arbitration, so yeah, we're not going to know. Yep. So that's it. That's that's literally it, man. Like they're they're as far as I can tell, getting away with this. Why wouldn't those those greedy people go after this? Like the Ice Poseidon asshole who um, scammed his community for a few hundred thousand dollars and then went and did an interview and said, "Sucks to be you. I told you not to do it. Like you guys are suckers. Get away like, with it." I oh there's God. literally yeah, disclosure there too. Yes, he's like, no one can come after me. I am legally. In the clear for theft, like sucks to be you guys, yeah. and that's because that comes back to the conversation we've often had about you know there's just no regulation on this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, it's a true story, man. So there's that. This there's this new one here. So oh, real quick, did any of you ever play that Cuphead game? It was real popular for a while. No, I've heard of it, but I've never played it. So for anybody who's into this game, if you've played it, I'm I'm not. It's it's kind of it's interesting art style wise. It feels like a really old cartoon, like the old Mickey Mouse style stuff, right? Like black and white stuff. Like it's got that. I don't know what that style is called. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. That's what it looks like to me. But they apparently they just launched a freaking. I think it's like a Netflix series. I'm like, what, dude? I did not know that. Which real talk, I feel like I'm ha- I got, you know, you know that we had these conversation once about studios that are doing a good job of delivering like really great series and stuff. Oh, man, I used to feel kind of good about Amazon. Um, to be fair, to I, be fair, they have produced opinion, some really good shows yeah, like The Boys. Sure. Man in the High yeah, Castle. The, right, um, Expanse. Uh, Bants. There's a ton of good ones. Yeah. Right. However, <laughs> but here's the here's the thing Jack that's Ryan happening. Was from, another one too. That yeah. one's Which good one? too, right? But when I look at like some of the things that to me just really kind of matter, I kind of feel like Netflix is doing a bit more of a solid than than they are in some regard to the fantasy world at least, because I am going to be a really honest i mean i'm honest but i'm gonna be completely transparent here the new the new rings of power trailers can i I talked about this on my youtube already right and i know i'm regurgitating the same point but since i got people right here watching right now right love it hate it or otherwise can anyone tell me if you feel the same way about this is it just me or does it the world not feel lived in? And I'm starting to feel that way. I felt that way about the wheel of time too. I was like, they're just not the clothes are too clean. The dirt looks too clean. Like it, it's something about it. It's just there. Right. And I saw the rings of power video and I was like, it feels 
it feels plastic. It doesn't something about it looks nice. It looks really crispy, but something it just doesn't look like the world feels lived in. I mean, it just it felt to me like if I didn't know it was Lord of the Rings, I would have been like, is this another Wheel of Time trailer? I, I mean, know. that's that's how I felt about it. Yeah. And, and it, it just did one one. Yeah. I mean, it just didn't. I mean, it didn't feel like a Tolkien. Like if you go back and like even I mean, to this day, mm-hmm. like all the Peter Jackson stuff stands up like it just does. Yeah, it yeah. does. Decades later, it stands up. Yeah, go ahead. Renfield. I was going to make an observation on what you were just saying, Dulles, and I and I don't know if this is truth. It's just an observation. Um, if you've ever gone back and watched like the old footage from the creation of the original Star Wars trilogy, back before they had CGI, um, by the time they got to Empire Strikes Back and into Return of the Jedi, they were starting to incorporate green screen, blue screen, and they were incorporating CGI. But they always came back to the fundamental that miniatures look better on film because it adds realism. And if you can use CGI to create visuals that are up to par with the real thing, you will have a natural blending. But when you create something from complete scratch, it looks computer generated. And one of the things that I loved, and I think this is my observation about the Peter Jackson uh, films, Mm. is that they had, before Weta had Weta Digital, Weta was out there making handcrafted chainmail, handcrafted leather scabbards, hand stitching every rune and every line and arc on all the clothing and all the embroidery and and the details. They were handcrafting swords for fuck's sake. And all of that created this level of realism that when they put it up against the miniatures and then added the green screen behind it, it was like – Oh man. And mm-hmm. I watched an interview with um Frank Oz yesterday where he was talking about he's like he said, I haven't done puppetry in you know a couple decades now. I've been a director and I'm kind of out of that. But he's like he's like he's like when I look at something like say Yoda, and he played Yoda, right? But when George Lucas made the decision to have the fight scene between Palpatine and Yoda in Revenge of the Sith. He was like, we moved away from a puppet to a fully CG character. He's like, it's George's movie. It's George's story. He can do what he wants with it. But I watched that scene, those scenes, and I that Yoda looks fake to me. He says, because the character was created yeah. in a purely digital environment for the story. He says, then the guy that can turn around and watch the scene, and he specifically talked about the scene, I believe it's in the Two Towers, when Smeagol and Gollum are having the face-off. You know, no one likes you. You know, like there's that scene where he's back and forth like he's in a mirror. Yeah. And Frank Oz is saying that is a CGI scene, but everything around it was a real set. And so you you really feel like you're in it. And that's a believable CGI character to me. So that's what I that's Mm -hmm. my observation is that I don't see that they've done any practical effects right. with this Amazon show. I see that it's 100% green screen with a little bit of on-location shooting. But here's the thing. They moved production from New Zealand Truth. to the UK because of tax cuts. They don't give a shit about having the realism of the New Zealand locations. They're looking for how can we make the cheapest show possible to make the most amount of money possible and get us a blockbuster show that's going to rake in billions of dollars. That's how I feel. Sorry, rant. Uh, but you know, that was my observation. Yeah. What you're saying, Dale. No, it makes total sense. I agree with you there. Right. It, and I think we talked about this before the show. It mm-hmm. becomes more about the product and what they can sell versus being faithful to the source material. 
and creating a quality show. Um, and that's yeah. that's sad, right? Like I, I was I wasn't familiar with Wheel of Time at all. I have you know I you know yeah. my nerd card can get turned in now because I haven't <laughs> read the books. But I I saw that show like episode to episode. There was never like I watched it almost like I was like forced drinking a healthy smoothie that tasted like ass. I mean, because <laughs> but I still like I want kale, rich with kale. There's nothing but exactly. Kale. I mean, I just like literally I felt <laughs> like I was having a kale smoothie and I'm like, I'm going to get through this. It's, I'm going to get the I'm going to get the payoff at the end. And by the end of it, I'm like, really? Really? I went through all of that oh, for shit. this. And it, I and they yeah. had good people in it. Like they had like, you know, actors that I recognize. And I, I felt like they were making an effort, like the actual artists were making an effort. But it's like everything around them was just it just didn't feel real. It did. It just felt like, you know, I think you said it before. Right? It felt like yeah. generic fantasy story. Right. Yeah. It didn't and feel like a world. I, I think the biggest. I made a video about this earlier today, um, which there was a, there's a new Vanity Fair article that came out on the 14th where the showrunners answer a bunch of questions. And I, I knew this before and, and just kind of glazed over it in some past discussions, but they admit in the new interview that they literally, because nobody does, nobody has the rights to the Silmarillion, Tales of Middle Earth, all that stuff. Right. So they can't touch that. So they literally admit in this new interview that they only have the rights to the Lord of the Rings, Hobbit. And the appendices. Yeah. So everything they're doing for the second age is literally them. They literally said, we're going in and we're pay- pulling out all the clues that Tolkien left for us, which are like stars in the sky that are guiding us to write the novel that Tolkien never created. Right. And it's like, but he granted and he granted. Did. Well, here's I will say this. There is an argument to be made for the fact that the Silmarillion and the tales, they're not novel. Sure. So to speak, they're more like historical short stories that are all compiled together. So I kind of I could sure. give them that novel sure. point in their favor. But here's what I can't I can't forgive them is like going in and and choosing to like take an appendices section and try to spin out five seasons of a show around a second age when you already have all this amazing source material. That's what the most – that's what's the most egre- – I can't pronounce that word egregious, right now. Yeah. Most egregious. <laughs> egregious, thank you. That's the most egregious thing to me right now is – and I think that right there, personally, I think that's why they're not able to make it feel – like a lived-in world because they don't actually have anything. They're just making shit up and and creating new characters. And the other thing that really bothers me, and I haven't talked about this a lot yet, I am going to be ranting on this over the weekend. They fired the foremost Tolkien expert in the world who also worked with yeah. Peter Jackson and his films in favor of and, – and this is not me bashing someone. This is just me stating facts – a diversity expert who is a publicly – she's University of Glasgow, works there and is a student there, and she is publicly – I am you know, I'm, I'm queer-oriented. I'm all for the LGBTQ plus community. Great. That's awesome. But she's also in public in the past said Tolkien's works are problematic neo-fascist oh, no. works. And they have huge problems with misogyny, and, oh. and we need, it needs to be fixed and updated for the modern era. Now, in the wake of everybody being upset about the black oh, man. dwarven princess with no beard, she has since made all of her social media profiles private because she is getting 
eaten alive on social media because she was out in the public saying that Tolkien's work was problematic. I'm making it my goal in life to fix that. And if you read all of her or her master uh, PhD studies and everything else, it's all about the problems with Tolkien and the masculinity issues with Tolkien and how all of these issues with oh, no. So you were you were talking about in your video today that you linked in the chat earlier, yes. Sim. You were talking about they, they seem they have this diversity checklist. Yeah. That's what I feel they're trying to do with this. And also, I just watched a portion of it. They did a they did a super fan roundtable on Amazon Prime UK's YouTube channel, and it's a bunch of mid twenties people. I won't use any nombres. That's, that's fine. Yeah, them. bunch of individuals. Um, yeah, they're calling them super fans. They're calling themselves super fans, and it's a roundtable of them ooing and awing over all the amazing things in the trailer. And I'm like, I don't know that. You have ever actually read Tolkien's work because the trailer has nothing to do with Tolkien's world. Like you're 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 ooing and awing over characters that did not exist in Tolkien's work that were created for the show. Um. And the catchphrase that I keep coming back to from the showrunners, we're creating the mega event series that Tolkien never could that can only exist in today's era. That's all they care about, creating an epic mega series. That's going to generate billions of dollars of of money without caring one whit about the source material. Yeah, yeah. So there's so many issues going on. There so are. many, so many issues beyond the I mean, bad CGI. It, here's the thing: uh, Bezos yeah. said he was obsessed. I think he's obsessed with being number money. one. I think he's obsessed with another product that can keep him pillaring over. Right, and, the and did you see the? Did you see the quote that was in the first Vanity Fair article where they literally bragged? Yeah. Yes. They bragged about the fact that Game of Thrones only cost yes. this. Uh, Ours yep. is costing fifty yes. million per episode. It's like mm-hmm. he's got this yep. thing. Personal opinion, you know. I think he does have that super villain, super villain thing going on of like I need to be number one. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why he's out there trying to sue. Yeah. Musk at every turn to because it's not fair that you've got more satellites in space than me. It's not fair that you've got more rockets in space than me. I want to be number one at something. And now he can be. He's going to have the number one most yep. expensive flop in the history of the world. <laughs> you know what I think? I think I saw so many references in that particular article about that comparison back to, you know, and I think I think what happened is it was like, well, let me show everybody I can do something in this same space that costs more and will deliver even better. To more people, right? Because they even said in that article too, Tolkien for everyone. They want this to be for everyone. And here's the thing: not every story is going to be for everyone. So let me ask you a question, real quick. Let's say we went over to India yeah. as an example, and we took one of the Indian mythologies. I'm not intimately familiar with Indian mythology, yeah. so I apologize to anybody in the audience who might be upset at me not knowing these things. Well, let's say we went in and we took that and we wanted to make an adaptation of that and we made it all with white actors. There would be an uproar from the community, not for racist reasons, but for cultural appropriation reasons. Yes, and you got the same issue from like 300 and all these other things that have been out too, same reasons. But yet we now see the Tolkien. If you read Tolkien, Tolkien was an adaptation of North European mythology, which is – for better or for worse, like it or not, I don't think it has anything to do with racism. It was it was white. Man, that sounds really bad to say. So I please forgive me for saying this, people. But 
the people who live in the northern regions of Europe are like me. We are Caucasian white individuals, blonde hair, dark, you know, dark hair, blue eyes, brown eyes, but we're not dark skinned people. And so the result of that was that the mythology as Tolkien wrote it was based around everybody was basically white. But he did have yeah. the southern countries and the eastern yep. countries, which represented the Orient yep. and the Africanas. True. Those were all in there. He just never fleshed those out entirely. Yep. So I get I get a little weirded out when people are like, Tolkien was a misogynist white guy because he he marginalized the the colored people and the and, and i'm like i don't as think that's the case by what yeah like where are you even getting that from like because you're not going to find any you know what i mean you're not going to see that in any of his interviews or any of that like where are you even getting that stuff from he was just a nerdy dude who loved magic yeah. he, i think he smoked a little bit of pipe weed with c.s lewis <laughs> and they did. got a little high and <laughs> Drank a Man. lot of cider in the in the pubs and wrote some cool magic shit, you know. Just dude, with this this whole thing too is like it, Bezos is obsessed, right? This is what I go back to. It's like obsessed with it. It's like if you were so obsessed and you wanted to really deliver, why didn't your rich ass pay a whole lot more to get the rights to do this? Like, what you know? What I mean, they spent like what two hundred fifty million or something. Just yeah, for but the, I would also I would also argue that. Um, if I had to make a guess, I yeah. would say Chris Tolkien, when he passed, he probably had it in his will. I hope so. That the Silmarillion and that other material cannot be sold That'd be nice. for film rights ever. And I would bet Good. because they – if you look, even if you look at the um, – because on February 9th, the Saul Zantz Company announced that they were selling their entire library of rights to the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit. But that doesn't include the Silmarillion or mm -hmm. Unfinished Tales. It only includes all the Lord of the Rings and and Hobbit stuff. So as far as I'm aware, if I had to guess, I would say that Amazon probably went to the Tolkien estate and offered them a shitload of cash. And they, they like, basically mm -hmm. said, yeah, money's not going to change our minds. I because, hope so. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is going to flop hard, man. I do. Yeah. And, and I the, want it to be successful. That's the worst part. I really do. Did you see the quote? They did a social media post last night or this morning on their Facebook page. So for the rings of power and they're literally bragging. Number one most viewed trailer in the world. Uh, just like, yeah. 385, whatever, however many millions, hundreds of millions of views sure. in, in amount of time. And I'm like, yeah, but if you go into YouTube and do the YouTube tracking and look at the dislikes, it's like yeah. 80% dislikes on yeah. all of your videos. And the reason it's generating so much traffic is not because it's a good trailer. It's because it's the train wreck yes. that no one could look away from. It's just like, yeah. oh, what is this? Oh, yeah, hang on, got, I gotta go back and make yeah. a video about it. Now. And then you got people like me who want to take the footage that, by the way, tons of other people on YouTube are using, right, to put it in my video, and then it gets copyright stricken before I even actually press the the public button and and post it. How did it get copyright stricken? Because you before, didn't use any audio. I didn't use audio, and technically those two clips were edited, and I was reviewing and discussing it throughout and referencing points in those videos. They literally copyright struck me before it ever actually went live, everybody. Literally, right? Maybe they saw that first video with it. You know what I mean? It's like, congratulations, you can keep my 15 cents, but damn, really? 15 cents, that's what you're worried about, Amazon? You that Are you that thick in it for that? You you can go on ahead. I'm posting it anyway. You're welcome. You 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 saved me for my 15 cents I'd make off that video. Congratulations. Man. Go talk about just, how you I'm got gonna... Yeah, is it going in and talk about how great your shows and all this stuff are just because of how many minutes are streamed? You know, people sometimes leave that shit on the background, right? Right. Numbers, quality versus quantity discussion here. 
right? Just because you got so many minutes or, or whatever in this period of time, right? Doesn't mean you wrote the book on it. Doesn't mean people necessarily like it more or that it's more impactful to individuals. It it's just a number. Just reminds me too of companies that Same. brag about our video got so many views on YouTube and all the traffic was paid. Oh, there's like, that too. Good point. These are these are yeah. stats that are so meaningless. Yes. Like it let's see, you know, how many people are positively reacting mm. to the Rings of Power series. I haven't I have seen a few. Um, but I'd say the vast majority that I've seen, like, like, and again, uh, confirmation bias, mm. probably because Fair. those are what showing up on my YouTube feed, you Fair. know, yeah. uh, but I haven't seen a, I, I have seen a good argument on Reddit, um, where someone went back to 2001 and pulled a whole bunch of criticisms for Peter Jackson's film. And a lot of the criticisms sure. were very similar to what's being made now. Agreed. However, the mm. main difference that I can see is that Peter Jackson was actually working with material that he fully owned the rights to, right. as opposed to them not having the rights to the second age material and just saying, well, we don't care. We're going to make it up anyway. And just mm -hmm. as like they literally say in their most recent interview, as long as we paint within the boundaries of the lines that we're allowed to paint in, we'll be fine. And we can make the show that is going to be the mega event for the year. It's the best show. You're going to never doubt this show. You're going to love this show. It's the best show you've ever seen. Oh, my God. The I best see what you're awesome doing there. Show. Yeah. It's something you said made me think of, of something, uh, Sim, around quality over quantity. Oh, yeah. And Seriously. I'm just going to say this. Like, Mr. Bezos, $50 million worth of rubber dog shit is still $50 million worth of rubber dog shit. <laughs> still smells, still burns. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like if you're if you're going to take the soul out of something that you're making and just use it as a vehicle for profit. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, that that is probably one of the biggest crimes I've seen, because there's been things that have been rebooted and remade and so on. Right. That have been extremely successful. Mm -hmm. we've Galactica. Had, exactly. Right. We've we've had we've had shows that have played within the bounds of beloved franchises and done a great job with mm -hmm. it, yeah. right? So why not follow that example as opposed to trying to retrofit source material with a, a new vision that wasn't the author's vision, Yeah, right? I mean, again, there there's some you know argument to be said about having creative license, but there's creative license, mm -hmm. and then there's bastardizing the source material. And that's what's happening here. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm really like, I really have little faith that this is going to be anything more than that. And that's unfortunate because, I, I mean, I love I I love the story and the characters that I met as I went through that trilogy that mm. Peter Jackson put together because he yeah. set the bar and they're yeah. not they don't even care about the bar. Did you, right? Have and you ever read the book, Stainless? I have not. Okay, so I my wife's in the same boat. Yeah. The re that's the only reason I asked, because you mentioned the films first, so I'm very curious. Yeah. Because um, here's an interesting thing. Um, I, I, got Chris, I got Chris the Hobbit and the, the, the trilogy for her birthday last year, and she reads very slow because she does lots of other stuff, but she's slowly working her way through The Hobbit. But what's interesting to me, she's watched the films through five times now, loves them. And um, every time she gets a little bit more out of it and she understands the character. And I got her playing Lord of the Rings online starting about uh, 
three, four weeks ago, she's been playing that. And so she's meeting characters that she saw from the films. But then here's the thing, like Lord of the Rings Online, we just got to the old forest, Mm -hmm. which is not in the films, nor is Tom Bombadil. And so I, I, we had to stop and I have to do this whole explanation of this, this series of events that aren't in the film. But here's a quick explanation to get you there. Because here's the thing for me, because you just said something very important. The characters, the characters and the tapestry that Peter Jackson wove. Because mm-hmm. I read the, the Hobbit when I was five and I read The Lord of the Rings when I was seven. I didn't understand it that well when I was seven years old, but that was the first time I read those books. And then I remember watching on PBS way back in the day when the uh, Saul Zantz and um, – the guy who did Wizards, I forget the animator's name, um, mm. did the Lord of the Rings film that only went up to Helm's Deep. And my mind, my little nine-year-old, you know, eight or nine years old mind was blown because it was like that movie had been out for years, but I'd never seen it. But it, I was getting to see characters that only existed in my head for years. And that's something that I think Peter Jackson's films did so well. Like, I'm to this day, I get goosebumps when they're in the Prancing Pony and you get the flash of of yeah. Aragorn's face as he puffs on the pipe and it's just like, oh God, there's Strider. Oh, I just nerdgasmed. You know, and then every single time the death scene of Boromir where he's like, my, you know, my brother, my captain, my king, and yeah. I'm just like, ah! and I've seen yeah. those movies like 30 freaking times. The acting, the set dressing, the 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 even though they they did such a him and Fran and, and those they did such a good job of adapting lines of text and moving them around, which again some people view that as as sacrilege because they took yeah. dialogue from the third book and put it into the first film and vice versa. But it was done in such a good way because – and here's the key. Jackson and and his partner and those people had such a passion. Yeah, yes. They exactly. weren't trying to make that movie for money. If you look at the yep. hell that they went through of going through like three different production studios and dealing with the Weinstein brothers and everything that they had to do to they I can't remember how many revisions. It was like it was a lot. dozens of revisions to get the scripts through to each production company because they were trying so hard to make that movie out of sheer passion. Not because they were trying to make billions of dollars, but because they really wanted to see the <laughs> Tolkien universe on screen in a way that would benefit the fans and would be a service to that yeah yeah Amazon, why yeah that's the, that's at the core to it they weren't trying to make like express that the story that tolkien never made and also if you think about it right this is the difference between what i think amazon's been doing lately and what they did Right. They came from a place of passion and love for the story and the journey and the characters. And it shows regardless of how different it is. My perspective is I believe it shows. And that's what I think is missing from what Amazon is producing in this in this genre. Right. Because there are things that they're producing that just deliver and they they deliver. I I, I like it. Right. But this fantasy boys is one of the coolest shows on Amazon. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. The boys. Yeah, is pretty, it's good. Out. But yeah, the fantasy exactly. genre, I don't think that they're hitting the mark. I think that that component is missing. I just don't see it, and I think it shows. I'm 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 actually less. It's ironic to me. I was less upset about Wheel of Time than I am yeah. about Tolkien. And here's the funny thing: I I actually as much as as much love as I have for Tolkien, I like the Wheel of Time better as a series. Mm. I think it's much broader in scope. There's a lot more characters. There's a lot more going on. 
even though Tolkien did a lot of world building that was behind the scenes, um, the Lord of the Rings is still only three books. So in the scope of, you know, fantasy series, it's, it's somewhat, and I'm going to use this in air quotes and this might sound bad to some people, but it's limited in the sense of what we've seen from other writers who have come out since Tolkien and used him as a blueprint. But from, from a world building mm. perspective, Tolkien was the absolute master in terms of creating thousands of years of backstory languages that can actually be spoken and True. written like just yep. poetry. Ugh. And, and wheel of time, I was a bit upset because I was like, I hoped it was going to be a good show. Chris had never read the book, so she watched it. But even Chris, at the end of it, was like, eh, you know, it was okay. I mean, it was interesting, but there wasn't like a payoff yeah. at the end of it. It was like, and and it was so fast because they were cramming yeah, like did four feel fast. books into like seven or eight episodes, or whatever it was, that it was just it was over so quickly um, that you didn't feel like they had enough time. Um, That's a good point. Doesn't seem like they're focusing on the character development. I agree. No. I agree. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Zod. It just, That's it, such it, a good comment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Very, I very mean, good. at the end of the day, you want to be able to invest in like when I watch a TV show, right? I get invested in the characters that I Same. want to. I want to care about what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And that takes time, right? To be able yes, to do it. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, I was just thinking too. Like one of the things I loved about Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined oh, version yes. came out in the 2000s. So good. Like Gaius Baltar's character arc. Oh yeah. Uh, from <laughs> so like good. this egotistical <laughs> jackass who yeah. just is in love with himself to literally like causing his whole planet to get destroyed. Yo. Living with that guilt. Yo. Becoming a poly, you know, them being the pariah, hiding this secret oh, for, yeah. for a long time on the ships, then becoming this political individual but then also becoming like a messiah figure like a cult figure (laughs) and then like and then back around again it was just like that that to me is the perfect example of really good storytelling that plays out of the course of many seasons because you have a lot of leg room to work with and those weren't you know i think those are what like 13 16 episode seasons they, were pretty, so they weren't yeah they were like hour seasons. long ones too though I, yeah I, they, they were big. they gave them leg room to and mary mcdonald's character as the president of the colony is also another i mean mm-hmm. dealing with cancer and, and the relationship with with the general you know with general Obama, oh god Brad i love, I love the just, president's character ah, too she was so good this, yeah there was so much going on in that character yeah. i always i always look to that show as one of the prime examples in television anyway, mm. of really good character development. When you, when you say that data list, that just, it, it immediately popped into my mind. Cause that's always like the number one oh, show yeah. I look to. Yes, absolutely. Um, the other and one they being took some liberties too, right? Sure. I mean, True. Starbuck was a female in that yep, show. Yep. I don't think that worked. choice took away from it because totally they made, worked. I didn't say they made it work. Cause that kind of, it worked. Yeah, right? absolutely. If you didn't make it work, it worked. Yeah. Personality was there 100%. I mean, it didn't like they, if they like, and the, yeah, the actress, she, she killed it. She just freaking yeah, killed she that character. Killed it. I mean, it was like, and even, even watching like, you know, how she, yeah. And it was a perfect example of like making a major change. Right. But it wasn't about the checkbox. That's my point. It was about telling the story in a way that delivered. And if you can pick an actor or actress that can deliver, who cares, man, if they can make it work, you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was really well done, but I I did drop the link for, uh, for the Lotro Lord of the Rings online. And I think this is a good example. Like, you know, isn't it a damn shame 
the Amazon's got their hands in, on this now too, right? They got their they got their hand in the jar when it comes to Lord of the Rings Online. And you couldn't learn from what the game did really good either. It was a perfect example. Somebody, I forget where we were talking about this the other day. It might have been in game when I was playing. We might have been talking about it. Maybe it was with you guys. I don't remember. Um, the the point was made in a recent conversation I had mm. that one of the reasons that Lord of the Rings Online pulls it off, because again, they took a beloved franchise and made a whole bunch of shit up for their video game. But the point is that you never play. You're never the hero in that game. No. You are a bystander in the world who's you're working for or with Aragorn and Gandalf and other characters from the Dunedain and mm -hmm. Elrond and et cetera. You're doing missions for them yeah, and you're following in the footsteps, footsteps of the fellowship as they go along, but you are never the main hero in that story. So they never actually try to create new heroes. What they did was they created a world around the story that already existed. So they said, well, we know that this story goes from here to here, to here, to here, to here. So we have to have that in the game. Now, around that, we've been given descriptions by Tolkien of these parts of the world. We also have information from him in terms of the notes given on how certain peoples lived in these parts of the world. So we can kind of make stuff up about what that would look like and what that might be like. But that's never the focus of the game. The focus is on the main storyline, which is the Fellowship of the Ring and the journey to Mordor to cast the ring into the, you know, into Mount yeah. Doom. And all you ever do is play background second fiddle, so to speak, to yeah. that storyline. And I think that's why the game pulls it off, even though they did take great liberties with creating stuff that was not in the books. But it's never the main focal point of the story, as opposed to a show where they make up brand new characters to be heroes of Middle Earth. Yeah. So, Daedalus, why don't you why don't you jump into this one? I'm going to go ahead and share the Quantum Leap reboot discussion here. This is going to be a good one. Ooh, I mean, background, if anybody can tell, totally, he's totally rocking a background from the original show. Um, this, I don't know, thoughts, man, just just jump on in on that one. I'm going to let you just kind of take the helm and, and tell us what you think about this. So, so there, there's two sides of me right now. Yeah. Like the, the first side is this show was like my childhood. Mm -hmm. I grew up with this show like. One of the first things I saw Scott Bakula in was kind of a Disney thing. And I'm like, oh, man, I really like this actor. He's good. Right. And then they come up with like one of the most like fun things that I love about sci-fi is time travel. Oh, yeah. Dude. And they put it in a show and they brought in again. It, it's all about character building. There isn't necessarily a world here because you're hopping around through time. time. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you get invested in these characters. Like from 1989 to 1993, mm -hmm. this was my jam. This was so much my jam. I got my mom into it. Nice. She loved the show, nah. right? And her she Scott is Bacala like, it wasn't hard either. That was a, yeah, that was an she, easy one for her. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I think there was a little bit of that too. But she is so like she is the opposite of a sci-fi nerd, and she was totally into this show. That's right? pretty cool. That and it cool. was it was such like such a well-crafted show. And so now, right, you know, what's really exciting is that NBC is starting down a path of potentially bringing it back. Because I'm not going to jinx it and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's coming back. They ordered a pilot mm -hmm. of this show. 
And from what I have read, it's going to be maybe more of a sequel than a reboot. Um, you know, there's some discussion around, you know, some of the original cast that's still around um, being involved in it. Scott Bakula being one of them. Mm-hmm. But there isn't really anything more information out than that other than they've been given a chance to do a pilot. So this this makes me super happy because I love this show when it was on. I've like literally it's one of the few shows that I actually spent money on ensuring I had a DVD copy of it oh, nice. every season because I love that show so much. So I'm really looking forward to like again, right? Since it's not on Amazon's docket, hey, yay, <laughs> go us. Right? NBC who originally is where it aired is is kind of part of this. Um, but I, I am really looking um, to see what they do with this. Um, and, and and Dean Stockwell is like one of my favorite character actors of all time. Yeah. And it's sad that he's not around wow. to see this. But he was like, he was my favorite part of the show just for his heart. And so I'm, I'm hoping that they recapture that or at least find a way to capture that mm-hmm. part of the show. Because... The stories were the stories Dynamic. and they were good stories right, at the end of the day. But what, what was really compelling about the show was the heart. Absolutely. And so I hope they capture that. So I know I, I ranted a little bit in a positive way, but I, I love this damn show. I think that mm. um, Dean was – I loved him in Battlestar because um, he was in that show as well as one of the Cylons. Um, oh, he and, was and, and he was good, dude. Yeah, yeah. and he was like – I. I, I I well, I didn't have the intimate connection that you had with Quantum Leap, but I did grow up enjoying that show. I first saw Bakula in I think it was Starman or Star. It was something. I actually looked this up. It was uh, the Wonderful World of Disney. And it was like I Man was the name oh of it. Oh my gosh, dude! The one I remember him from, I think it was called Starman or something. Where he was like an oh, alien. Wasn't... Yeah, I know which one you're talking about too. The, yeah, and he had like a special. There was like I don't remember exactly. It's been a long time ago, but I do remember episodes of Quantum. Um, yeah. You just reminded me of something too, because episodes that have gone to pilot and are waiting. Uh, J. Michael Stradinsky did an announcement about two, three months ago, or maybe a little bit longer, that the CW had ordered a reboot of Babylon Five, what? and he had written. He's already written the script and turned it in, and it was supposed to go into like production for the pilot this year. But it looks like because of COVID and schedules getting switched around, they're pushing it back to either late this year or early next year. But that's going to be, mm. like you're mentioning, a sequel for this show. They're actually doing a reboot um, where he's just doing a new version of the Babylon 5 show from before. I just That popped into my head as you were mentioning this because I was thinking about really cool shows mm. that could be getting a reboot. And it would be cool if they did, but also so many act Like you mentioned, you know, Dean's gone in Quantum. There's like Half nope. the cast from Babylon Five is now gone, right? Um, and so, doing any sort of reboot, recapturing that magic is totally possible. I think writing goes a long way, but also the right casting to make Absolutely. sure that the actors can portray Absolutely. that. Yeah, because um, that dynamic between Ziggy too, like it was like you had your pilot co-pilot and then your co-pilot had a co-pilot, and it was like this really cool dynamic. But you know, and Tether. To like the present period where he, you know, lived and everything he knew existed as he was time jumping into these different people in time. Right. Like, yeah. That's so a cool premise too. like, oh, yeah. So, like, oh, yeah. Did, did anybody ever watch? I mean, it's not the same premise, um, but it's a similar premise. It was called Dollhouse. It was a Joss Whedon oh, show. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I watched where, that. 
And it was yeah. such a cool premise of like you're you're every week you're or every episode you're getting a different a different person, a different personality put into yeah. the characters. It's not quite the same thing as the time right. jumping, but I love when shows do I that, that kind of stuff. It's really fun because it also gives the actors a chance uh, to really branch out and do more than just one character. Did you guys watch, um, is it Orphan Black? Was that the one that was yeah, a clone that show? Yeah, that was sick too. Yeah, that was good. I need to watch that. I have That's not. an Amazon oh. one as well, right? I'm pretty sure. She played yeah. so many characters in that show because it was all these yep. clones of one character yep. and it was like, she was super she's good. Gonna be she Hulk. She's actually She Hulk. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. She yeah. is good. Oh, she's yeah, gonna. She's, I'm. I'm calling it now. She's gonna deliver because she's yeah. so good at playing different personalities. Right. I'll have to check that Ooh. out. I'm putting that on my bucket list. Oh, she, yeah. It's only like four Black, or five dude. seasons, so it's it's pretty yeah. it's pretty quick watch through, and it's been it's been done for yep. like three or four years Two now. Years. So. Yeah, she kills it on the different personalities for these different clones too. Like. It's really, really good. Really well done. Like that is a super skilled actress, man. Super skilled. I remember watching that and just seeing the different characters that she'd play as they were next to each other. And it was like, they are seriously different people. The technology they used for that is so yeah. cool too, because it was body doubles, but she had to do each performance. Yo. And then they took her face <laughs> from each performance and put it on the body double with CGI. But it's so flawlessly done it is. that it's like it's just like, oh my God, can you imagine you're doing oh, so you're redoing trippy. a scene yeah. for five different times as five different characters, but then you have to do multiple takes. Yeah. So you're probably doing 30, 40 takes for each scene in yep. between. And it's not like a normal actor where you go in and you're doing 30 takes of one character. Here you're doing what? It's yeah. it is mind boggling to well think done. about what some of these actors can do. Mm -hmm. And to yeah, shift absolutely. personalities like that, like to do it so well, and to have what this this is what really sold me on that was she was so good at this having a truly different personality for each character that when there were moments where those characters who were clones, which are her playing them would have an interaction and it would be really emotional and deep that it felt truly like two different people had these, had this relationship and bond. And she created that herself between different characters. Like that is not something easy to pull off from my perspective. Mm hmm. It's the only time I've seen it done like this and anything. I can't think of anything else where it's, it's, it's done a lot, like that. It's a lot more entertaining. I'm yeah. going to say this, and it might be controversial, but I feel like stuff like that is a lot more entertaining than a Marvel movie yeah. where you've got lots of explosions and maybe some fun stuff going on, mm -hmm. but it's not really uh, – the acting is is – it's mostly you know jokes and, and comic book style dialogue, yeah. which is – it's entertainment for Looks sure. For what it's it not is. The same thing. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to go in and put this out there and, and, and make a, and preface this similarly to how Daedalus was saying, when we talked about the pilot, like I'm going to post this out there. I think that comicbook.com is a pretty solid source. I'm just going to put is. that. It is a very solid source. Right. But I say this reminding everybody that when things are leaked, Nintendo has a way of, Nuking, nuking, <laughs> nuking things. So this is Nintendo Switch games tease, tease right here, and there's some stuff in there. So it, you know, I was watching a video not too long ago too. Um, it was Nintendo Direct 
was doing a uh, their their like thing or whatever recently, and it was showing like some different video footage from what looked like Breath of the Wild two. So it's looking like, based on what I'm hearing, that Breath of the Wild two might be getting a bit closer finally, which I'm excited about. But I want to take this moment to talk about it and say what I'm hoping doesn't happen. I'm hoping, like I referenced earlier, instead of us getting these like little puzzle delves or dungeons that we can do to collect, I'd really like to see us get something in narrative form instead. I'm hoping that we get to like really give us more reason to travel within the world that exists and base it on a narrative and different, you know, narratives that exist similar to like what we've seen in the Elder Scrolls series where you go and you just happen to stumble across somebody. And it's not a, you know, it's not like someone that we necessarily know, right? It's not sort of this, this uh, storytelling that has existed before, for example, the Impa narrative or the Zelda link narrative, or, you know what I mean? Like the wise sage narrative or the retrieval of the master sword narrative, but ran, but rather it be characters that live in this world that exist in this period of time that are their own little story arcs, right? We got little hints of that in breath of the wild, but I think it would be really cool if when we go into like a delve and this is a, I'm going to make a reference here to the elder scrolls online that game pisses me off for a lot of reasons all the time. It is a love hate relationship. There's so many things that drive me nuts. But one thing I like about that game that they do well is that sometimes you will come across a character that's just sitting outside of like, they're literally outside of like this delve or something. Okay. And you, they, they, they aren't directly for the most part, really tied into the main story. But you'll come across them and they'll be like, oh, help, you know, or whatever. And they're running up to you. And it's like, can you help me or whatever? And it's this person with their own set of problems, with their own story and history that can be delivered throughout the narrative. And you go help them and you run through the dungeon or whatever and you do this sort of stuff. And it's pretty, you know, the stories are pretty good sometimes. They're pretty fun. That would be cool if we could get that in the Zelda universe in place of that. So I'm hoping that with Breath of the Wild 2 that we get that instead of the side, you know, uh, the side uh, content being basically dungeon diving for the sake of collecting another thing that is you know, literally a number. Um, that That's what I'm hopeful for. But I just wanted to take a moment to talk about that. And if Nathan was here, I think it'd be cool. We'd be getting a really good story. From him. He might be ranting, ranting. a little bit, yeah. He loves Zelda. Yeah. He does too. Yeah, him him and I are some little Zelda fanboys, man. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm going to leave that there. But uh, how about this one? This isn't really necessarily on the list in, in, in regard to the conversation we're going to have here, but Stargate. <sighs> we talked about it last week a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I have loved... I'm with you in the same boat, Sim, because I was so crushed when they canceled Universe because I had I had watched all of SG1. Um, I've gone back and watched SG1 a second time, but only up to the end of I think season nine, which is mm. when the main cast departed and they bring in the the cast from um, that Jim Henson puppet show, Farscape. They brought the Farscape cat. By the way, if you've never watched Farscape, folks, you totally should. It's a really fun sci-fi show, really kind of quirky, but it's mm. it's puppets and humans, and so. 
that first Archibus you went, Stargate Atlantis was a lot of fun. Yeah. But Universe for me was when I felt like, yes. uh, now we're getting some something fun. You know, we're getting yeah. some adult Stargate, you know, it has, it has cursing, it has nudity, it has yeah. violence, like, you know, and then it's like two seasons of done. I know. No! God. I enjoyed the characters too. They were yes. all their own. It would, they did the thing where they launched it, you know, with some familiar faces, but overall we got like something pretty fresh. You know, because even like Stargate Atlantis, you had a lot of crossover with SG-1. And SG-1 was a super big straight-up tie-in from, well, I mean, carrying the torch from the movie, straight up, right? So this video, Daedalus was the one that shared this, right? With a grain of salt, sand, however you want to, whatever you want to say here. It looks like, and I'm just going to rumor mill this, that the movie's probably out, but a series is probably in. This is concerning, right? <laughs> and... It's probably Amazon. Here's what I'm, I'm worrying about. Does anybody know where I'm going with this? Can you understand why this is concerning? Now, I will Classic say... fantastic, I would. <laughs> this is sci-fi. So I'm going to give Amazon a bit of a, a hopeful, you know, bit here. I, I, I'm, I'm annoyed with what's going on with the fantasy world that they're doing. Right? I liked Will of Time, but I, f I still stand by my statement that I feel like when I look at that, and I look at, you know, like the the rings of, you know, the rings of power that's going to be coming out. Like, I still stand by my statements on that. However, I will say that The Expanse was done well, and that's sci-fi. So depending on what they're doing here, depending on what they go with, maybe they could pull it off, but I also have a little bit of concern based on some of the same stuff. I, I, I will say one thing about the Expanse, though. They worked intimately Truth. with the authors. Yes. Those guys were consultants on the show. They were executive mm -hmm. producers, as I recall. Yeah. They were involved on the set. Like they were there for like I think all of it, um, which is a big difference I think between what what we've seen from the Wheel of Time and and what we think we're going to be seeing from the Rings of Power adaptations. Um, and also, uh, to be fair. Um, the Expanse started off on sci-fi and then sci-fi after what four seasons said, yeah, we're done with it. And I think that was when Amazon swooped in and then ran it for five, six and seven. I think that's the timeline. Um, and so they were happy to just let those people keep doing what they'd already been doing. Cause it had been such a good critically acclaimed, but not enough traffic for sci-fi to continue justifying it because they were like, we have a tight budget and this show is not getting the numbers we need. We got to trim the fat. Oh, um, Oh Yeah. Oh. It's unfortunate, but I'm at least happy that they were able to. And I still have not yet watched the most recent season, the last season of Expanse. I gotta try to get that this month. Also, yeah, sidebar: Amazon's raising it. So if you all don't know this, I, this isn't really something specifically related to. But just as a, a sidebar here, I believe uh, is it after the spring or something. Uh, Amazon's raising their Prime uh, price. If you sure. didn't know that there is a workaround people have been uh, talking about though, and it's, you can gift prime to people. So if you gift it, if you get a gift and you gift it, I think you can save yourself some money ahead of time um, for what the price is going to be. So I'm just putting that out there for anybody, but I, yeah, just throwing that out there, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough though, because then I go and I see what they did recently with like some of their, the white collar, right. They, they hiked up the, the pay for the white collar workers in Amazon, which is basically your, your, your top dogs or whatever from like, I think it's like 160,000 to 300 some thousand as their, 
cap on their salaries or whatever. So they hiked it up almost double. Right. And then it was like around that same time that I heard this. I'm not going to get into politics or too much of this around it, but I'm just going to say juice has got to be worth the squeeze. I'm just putting that out there. Um, you know, I, I'm just throwing that out there. Right. So you, you can vote with your wallets, whatever. Don't get me wrong. Am I still going to watch it? I got Amazon prime. Yes. I'm going to watch it. Um, well, but, and that's, and that's assuming that Amazon, you know, we don't, I, I, I yeah, it's looking like that might be the case. I would be terrified if anybody gets their hands on the Stargate franchise at this point, because I just feel like, point, no, yeah. I don't feel like any network out there is going to have the, like, best intentions at heart because it's going to be more about how can we going back to this phrase Mm. how can we like exploit this ip for profit and that's not to say that there aren't really good stories to be told but when storytelling takes a back seat to generating profit or subscriptions that's when we start to lose the plot and we get these shows that are just carbon copies and it's like oh yes yay and because i will say this a lot of what netflix produces is very good i like a lot of good netflix content however if you have ever dug in and watched um netflix house has what i consider to be algorithm based science fiction films that they crank out like 10 or 12 of those a month and they are the most generic pieces of trash i have ever seen but they do generate traffic and they get people to maintain a sub because it's content and there are a subsection of their subscribers who like that b quality yeah science fiction whereas i i definitely like um more when netflix has good films they're really good um and netflix has had some really good um shows as well um like cobra kai i am just oh, oh, loving it i'm, I'm glad I'm, they picked that up because they've been doing a fun i i enjoy it it's a little cheesy sometimes with the throwbacks campy. but it's still it's, i kind of like seeing johnny and i, I do I, i'm digging johnny and daniel's little little like banter and relationship dynamic that's playing out and bringing back some of the OG, the Cobra Kai guys and now I'm, pulling in homie from Japan, yep. you know, and I'm like, okay, like this is like super nostalgia bait, but for some reason it's just delivering for me. It Cause they is. also did, um, stranger things. Season four was just announced. It's three times as long. I think is what they said is the last season. And they also announced that the next season, season five is going to be the last, which was the plan along was to give it a five season arc. So Netflix has done some really good things, but in between all of the good things, yeah, there's still junk. a lot of algorithm trash. Yeah. I, I want to say something about Netflix too. So the other issue with Netflix, so number one, like if you Cobra Kai, they, they picked it up. But remember YouTube, that was yeah. a YouTube. Yeah. That was a YouTube series at first. And I was worried because I was like, I watched, I watched the start of that on, on YouTube but i just didn't feel like it just felt weird to like watch it on youtube and i was kind of also like i don't really know how this is going to go long term i'm going to kick it kick back wait and see um but the other this is the other thing that i think is like we talked about amazon stuff right here's one of the things i think is that doesn't serve netflix very well is they are like the king of getting a show that tends to be working and then pulling the plug on it they have done that with a few shows, but I will also say on the flip side, like 
The Last Kingdom being a show that the BBC was canceling and then yeah, Netflix that was good. in and saved it. And it has it's been rocked. badass. Yeah. And agreed. it's the, the last season's coming out in March and they've got a follow up movie that's going to yeah. wrap everything up. So they've, but you're right. Netflix has definitely picked up a bunch of shows. Like, here's one that I was so pissed that they did because I felt, I felt that it was a very <laughs> good adaptation, which was, and now I'm blanking on the name of it. It was a science fiction film. I gotta go look it up now. Um, yeah, I'm gonna talk about what Sparrow mentioned as well. Can we can we all get behind something here? We don't need to regurgitate the same story over and over and over. Be original for fuck's sakes. There's plenty of amazing books and story out there that you could pull from if you don't have it in you. But can we stop make, make remaking the same fucking thing multiple times in my lifetime already? Holy hell, man! I know which one it is. Yikes. So there's uh, one really strange show called uh the oa which is oh really yeah in netflix which they canceled then there was sense eight which was wachowski brothers yeah. and Michael which got canceled unfortunately too soon but the yeah. one i'm thinking of is altered carbon which oh right so freaking good oh that killed and, me that they killed that show man it was and they knew was it after two it. seasons i was like oh um yeah i didn't enjoy yeah, the second no, season as much but i mean no. you that had so much potential, man. The first it, season it was did. freaking amazing. I was like, oh, damn. I'm stoked. And then you get two, two seasons and it's like, yeah, we're not doing anymore, which is what terrified me about The Witcher, by the way. When it yes. came out, I was like, oh, no. no. We're going to get the two season treatment. It's because that's yes. what Netflix does. They give us two seasons oh. and then they nuke it in the bud. And kill it. I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's oh, like, Marco Polo. I forgot about Marco yeah. Polo. My wife, Good. that was one of the few shows my wife was actually upset over. Like, she was like, oh, why did they cancel this? This was just an amazing show. That was like one of the first Netflix shows she ever watched. And the costume design and everything was so good on that show. Um, I forgot all about Marco Polo. Snap. Who is it? Oh, speaking of, here's something that it, I saw this from. We talked, we caught wind of this this week. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell y'all. Okay. This is speaking of the two season treatment. Please don't let this be the case with this one. I'm so down with this, but freaking Bioshock is such a good game. The story is so good. And Netflix announces a long awaited Bioshock movie. If you do a movie, don't botch it up. If you turn it into a show and you want to ride the train on the universe, please don't make it two seasons. This one you got to do right, please. This could easily be like a trilogy movie series or a show, too, by the way, because some of the Bioshock one was really good. If they just go with like the little sisters and like the first Bioshock story, sure. They, if they do it in a way that like somehow takes all the elements and do something of their own, I think they could roll with that too. As long as they stay true to like the core of what, you know, is going on there. The, the interesting thing about those games, I hated the gameplay. Yeah. But I love the story. Like, oh, man. It's a really good story throughout those three games. It's a it's a unique take on things. Mm -hmm. um, and and even though I didn't like the gameplay and everything else, I would love to see, like you said, a good show oh. that follows that core storyline and, and, and plays it out. I also – and I might get critiqued for this. Um, I, I thought there was a very fun film adaptation probably 15 years ago now on the Doom movie. Um, 
the Doom, the Doom franchise, that movie uh, with um, The Rock. Oh, uh, no, dude. I disagree. Oh, no, I, I disagree. I, oh, so fun oh, to watch. It's a oh, cheesy, I have not watched that. Oh, it no, is a cheesy, it is a cheesy <laughs> piece of crap movie. Oh, <laughs> but I find it so entertaining that every time I see it on, I got to watch it. Um, Better than the newer one that came out a while back, though, to be fair. Which one there was, was that? There was another, uh, I think it might have been Netflix that it came out on, but it was a Doom movie. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, know that. Even, as cheesy as the first one with The Rock was, and as much as that drives me nuts about that, still better than that one. Still just saying it. I just, I, I love Carl Urban and everything he's I in. Do. So yeah. When, when I saw he was in Doom, I was like, I got to watch this. But it was, it's, it's, it's a, it's like the Resident <sighs> Evil movies, the early ones. It's just so cheesy. That's that a fair you, point. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's so bad it's good. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. I just heard I was, had it as you were talking about that. I just thought of this Eminem song. I'm so good that I'm so bad that I'm so good. Guarantee I'll be the best. Whatever it is. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Bioshock for the win. I love that game. That there was the one that came out, and I can't I can't remember if um. Oh, Cheryl's here. She might remember. It was a while. I played it for it was a might have been more than two years ago, but oh, it was like the third one. It was like Infinite, Infinite, Bioshock Infinite or Infinity or Infinite. Or I think whatever. it's called Infinite. Yeah. Oh, that was so good. Holy shit! The first Bioshock is amazing. Two's okay. Infinite was like whoa, dude. I loved it. I'm not gonna say why. But that one might have been the most gratifying of them all. So I'm really curious with Bioshock, the, the movie they're doing, what what angle they're going, because there are several good Bioshock stories they can roll with. I'm curious what direction they're going to go. So long and short, looking forward to seeing that. Um, can, can we take a moment to laugh at this, though? I, I just I don't know why I called this golden NFT. But this is talking about uh, hold on, Magic the Gathering NFT. Is this oh, one? is this the one? Oh my god, I <sighs> laughed my ass off when Whoa. I saw this. This this is just one of those moments <laughs> where it just goes to show you how greedy motherfuckers are yeah. about NFTs and how it's just a cash grab for yeah. so many people taking art that you don't own and thinking that you can exploit that art yeah. to profit from it this is like the dudes who bought the uh jabberwinsky dune whatever his name is that that dune manuscript with all the, the sketches and everything and they're like and we're totally gonna make a series off of this and 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 sell stuff around it's like just because you bought a book for two million dollars doesn't mean you have the rights to take that property and then leverage that into Seriously. shows and movies and everything else because brian herbert owns the rights to dune like that's it, not how it works so there is some this is a very close those of you who have been here on the show for a long time since since i started participating you all know that copyright and intellectual property is a topic very near and yeah. dear to my heart because of something that i went through yep. with a previously mentioned uh, project um there are so many people out there in this world that just don't understand basic copyright and and intellectual property rights yes you just you can't take stuff 
You can't. No. This this was the most. It was the funniest thing I've seen in like a at least the last week. <laughs> Just did you read? The, did you actually read the the loss the 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 legal note that was sent to them? Like you seem to be under the mistaken. Uh, I forget the wording. It's like you seem to be under the mistaken impression that you can leverage intellectual <laughs> property that's not your own to make a profit. And I was just like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. Gosh, this is such a good article, though. It yeah. is. Yeah, it says you, you appear to be operating under the mistaken assumption that the project would be legal because you would allow the reproduction of magic cards in the form of NFTs only by a player who had purchased a physical card, a card on Arena, or a card on MTGO. Letter states, this is not correct. It is the exclusive right of the copyright owner to reproduce the copyrighted work, such as Magic Card, in any format. So the logic that they had behind why it was okay to do this is like... It's the Dune guys. We own, we already own the card, therefore I can do anything I want with the image on the card. Yep. This is just ignorance around people who just have no clue about uh, copyright. Absolutely. Yeah, it just seems that people these days are becoming, they're getting more and more to this place where it's like they don't really care about whether it's okay or not okay. In my opinion, it just seems more and more like people are like, I'd care more about whether I can get away with this and make some money. It's also, there's a movie by Mike Judge called Idiocracy that I feel is very poignant. (laughs) It's true, man. Certain things that are happening in our timeline. Exactly. (laughs) It's like a cautionary tale. It is. It's also like in the same ballpark. I'm not going to say who, but there's a MMORPG in development that is just, it looks like a literal wow clone. And I've already told these individuals that's what I thought, right? They they understood whatever. I was like, your game could be good, right? It could have similar themes, but when it looks like it's a direct rip of World of Warcraft, that is not it doesn't bode well, man. Like people are going to see it and go, you just get it's like going. It's like taking the Stargate story and going um, Celestial Gate or Cosmo Gate or something. You know, what I mean, Empire versus <sighs> Circle of Stones, calling it an Ember Ring. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, you know, take it for what it is. Speaking of World of Warcraft, looks like they're trying to grow again. There's a there's a, there's a thing here. God, this this article triggered oh, me. I'm so sure hard. it did. Why don't you? <laughs> do you feel like maybe explaining to people who are maybe taking their time reading this? And if you're listening to this, sorry. If you're here, if you're here live, you get it. You get the chat, which means you get to actually like see what we're sharing and kind of follow along. Um, but yeah, the. This one right here. If World of Warcraft is to grow again, it needs a change in philosophy. Well, yeah, no shit. But World of Warcraft has more competition than ever. Will the 17-year-old game survive? Question mark. Enthusiastically, question mark. What do you think, Daedalus? Yeah, you go, Daedalus. You need yeah. to Well, I mean, my boy Jez here, he's my spirit animal because he mm-hmm. called out pretty much everything that I have a problem with, um, with wow. And I think at the end of the day, like one of my biggest beefs, and we talked about it a bit last week is world Warcraft lost its soul over the years. And and so, you know, they went in and their, their focus has been like on like few key things that I think we all agree are not fun. Time gating, 
um, you know, essentially chores that you need to do on a daily basis. Just focus on a like a chest that you get once a week versus actually going and accomplishing like a boss mm -hmm. kill and getting a reward out of it. Yep. I don't know how many raids I did, and I wasn't like a huge raider. I didn't really start raiding, I would say, until Miss of Pandaria, to be completely honest, wow, like really? heavily raiding. I oh, mean, I man. did do Molten Core, I did do Blackwing Lair, but I wasn't like in a air quotes raiding guild. And when I really started, you know, doing actual raiding, I was it was in the midst of Pandaria um, expansion, and from right. there I kind of did it pretty consistently after that. But it continued to be less and less of a like enjoyable experience. Not that the boss encounters weren't interesting, not that the like aesthetic wasn't good, et cetera, et cetera. It checked all those boxes. But at the end of the day, it felt like I was putting in a lot of work for very minimal reward. And then it got to a point in recent expansions, which yeah. it was all about, okay, let me dice roll this thing. Yep. Snake eyes, snake eyes, snake eyes, goose egg, snake eyes, right? Oh, I kept getting nothing week on week. And it just felt like, why am I even here? I mean, I want to be able to progress my character, and so it became an endless loop of, well, if I want to raid, then I need to do Mythic Plus every week. And, yeah. and th that was like the gameplay loop. And then the right. other thing that it called out is actually something that I called out last week, which, again, this guy's my spirit animal. He talked about their whole borrowed power philosophy and how every expansion throws away craps on what was in the expansion. 100%. Before. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, you know, you... A lot of things like and they compared it, and I haven't played like diligently played Final Fantasy, but they called it out like things that Final Fantasy did really well that Blizzard, I think, you know, skirted around. Like even just like to me, one of the most fun things and right, wrong, or indifferent, one of the most fun things in Mists of Pandaria for mm -hmm. me was the actual farm stuff that you got to do. Oh yeah, right. When you different crops. It, because it uh, okay. helped me, it helped me do like housing. Like it had, it gave me the feel that there was housing there, and I could go mm -hmm. in and I could, I could get resources. I could use it on many different characters and still progress them in some way. So it felt like I was getting something out of it for my investment of fun. Well, um, can I ask a question real quick? Because I'm sure. not. I, I've only briefly tapped in. I think I played live like twice. I did classic for six months just to see what I had missed with EverQuest two. Um, because I was way into EQ2 and not World of Warcraft. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't see them ever killing off World of Warcraft because it continues to generate so much profit. Even today we've still got probably at last I would uh, have heard anything there's still a couple million people that play on a regular basis, even though they're a far cry from the days of having twelve million subs. Yep. That's still generating so much goddamn profit yep. that I don't see them ever ever turning that off. But it it almost feels to me like if you've got a game that is still that profitable at that point, wouldn't it make more sense to just stop it and I mean, make yeah. the next version of it? And like they, they kind of did that with Cataclysm in the sense that they just flipped the whole world on its head, so mm. to speak. And and that's one of the things I looked at like when Final Fantasy 14 failed at launch and then they had the world ending event and brought the servers down. And when it came back as a realm reborn, that was like a revitalization moment for them. 
and it took them to greater heights. And I, I, I hear all these people talking about how over the years the soul has left World of Warcraft, and yeah. it's just they keep trying to revitalize it and breathe new life into it. And we're going to do mm. classic and all these things. And I'm like, why don't you just make like World of Warcraft two or do what Rome Reborn did and just like have a cataclysmic end of whole realm event and then spin it up as a new thing i don't know i'm just i'm throwing ideas out oh, here yeah. i really I, I see that, that as being yeah i see that as being a better story reason as opposed to let's make like let's homogenize the the um racial system by getting rid of the factions like it no longer matters if you're good or bad you can go into dungeons together that's cool except it should have been done years ago from what i understand um, but it also takes away the one thing that made World of Warcraft really unique, which is the Alliance versus the Horde. Right. Like They also did that with EverQuest 2 in the beginning because at the beginning it was Freeport versus Kinos. So it was very much the good races versus the bad races or however you choose to interpret that. But it was, you know, you had different parts of the world that you could explore in and there was reasons for that and there was lore and everything else. And then they got rid of all that and now it's just like, nah, here's a world go explore and do dungeons together. I don't know. I was just throwing that out there because mm -hmm. I feel like like I, having dabbled in World of Warcraft, if they came out and said that next year we're going to launch World of Warcraft 2, like, I'd be all over that. I'd oh, be I'd like, be playing. Yeah, like, yeah, I'd totally play it because I played WoW for, what, vanilla up to Legion, even yeah. if I took breaks, even if I went on and off. And I, and I was the opposite of Daedalus. I was a sweaty tryhard. I did top U.S. rating, you know, I was in a top U.S. rating guild for a while and I did, you know, really difficult. I mean, I got I had that like Lord of War title. Remember that one? That thing was crazy as hell to get freaking. Yeah, it was like really tough stuff, man. You know, really tough stuff to, to achieve in that game. And, and I was working it. I was I was doing it. But you know why they haven't, in my opinion, you know why they haven't done that, Renfield? Because it's a great idea. People have been saying it for a decade now, probably at this point, right? Since like what, 2010, 2011? People have been going, why don't you just re-roll? Let's just do WoW 2. Why are we doing WoW 2? Because the pinnacle of success was for me was Wrath of the Lich King. That was like at the point. Almost everyone I talked yeah. to says that. Well, everything just worked really well. Like it felt meaningful to to play my alt characters. It felt meaningful to do old content. It felt meaningful to do all the different parts of the game. It felt meaningful to create an alt. It felt meaningful to do, you know, my profession still. You know, it still felt meaningful. And after that, they slowly started to take away from, in my opinion, what felt meaningful about all the different layers of the game. Well, and, they stopped respecting players' yeah, time. And they didn't they, listen. I mean, it said that in the yeah. article, too, right? Yep. And you've said that before, oh, too, Sim. Yeah. Like, totally about that. Totally. And, um, you know, I'm going to probably bring up something that's going to trigger you, Daedalus, because you weren't here when I got to bring it up before. But we'll get to it in a minute. I'm going to save that the best for last on the WoW topic here. Um, you know, but this is, like, one of the things to talk about. Like, what what the elder scrolls online needs is what world of warcraft did and final fantasy 14 modeled their game they the developer even talked about how they have modeled their game after world of warcraft and i would say that they modeled it after world of warcraft and improved upon a lot of things that world of warcraft didn't do fundamentally that being listening to your player base 
and actually doing something with the information that they're giving you. Where World of Warcraft stopped, in my opinion, they stopped doing that, right? And the people yeah. that were there, that were the heart and soul of the game, they, in my opinion, aren't even there anymore. They all branched off and they got the different studios now. The last BlizzCon I went to was the last one Mike Morhaime was at. Saw him walking around and stuff, and he was he was retiring. That was it. He was retiring two years later. What is it, Dreamhaven? Is that what they called the, the studio he formed up, Dreamhaven Studios? Some of the old WoW devs, right? And then you got, um, what's his name? Uh um, the other guy, damn it. He's like the one that was always there. BlizzCon's talking up front. Uh, Chris, Chris Metzen. Yeah. Chris Metzen. Yeah. Chris Metzen. Right. He, he went and did a tabletop thing. Warcraft gaming, right? Oros, baby. Yeah. Which ex- did excellent. And then, yeah. And then you got like all the stuff they're doing now. It's like, we're talking about doing global achievements. We're, you know, talking about making it to where different alliances can play together. It's like, all right, cool. Awesome. Great. Feels a little too late to me, but you know why they haven't taken the game down? Because all the diehard players who invested so much of their time and their money getting the achievements, getting all the mounts they've got. I stopped playing and had hundreds of pets and mounts. Hundreds, right? Like, what was it, 14,000 achievements or something crazy? All these things. And you know, back to the, that 5% yeah. number I've always used because they've, they've sold well over 100 yeah. million copies. And you're mm-hmm. always going to have about 5% of your player race who will remain loyal to you mm-hmm. and paying subscriptions until you go dark. So they're always going to yeah. have between 2 to 5 million yeah. people that will keep that cash cow rolling. Yeah. And that's just – that's so much money. Don't want to lose their stuff. You make a wild yeah. two, it's gone. You can't, you can't ignore that amount of money. You can't. Mm-hmm. Like no business nope. would – no business would be willing to turn off the tap for something that's generating thirty million mm-hmm. plus a month of revenue. Yeah, plus the other transactions mm-hmm. that they have too with cosmetics yes, and all of that yeah. stuff and merchandise. merchandising and all of that, right? I mean, I I don't I think uh, hell would freeze over before World of Warcraft would ever turn their right. servers or take their servers down. Yeah, like, absolutely. And yeah, as far as like. As far as like re-rolling WoW, I mean, I've thought about it. I mean, you know what they could do there. I, frankly, I, I mean, and I know there's probably a lot of diehards that are going to get triggered by this, but I think the whole universe is played out. I really do. Oh, I just yeah. don't That's think a there's really good thing to say. I'm glad though. Yeah, I, I mean, I just don't know. If there's any more they can go. I mean, it's getting more and more ridiculous with every expansion. Savannah's right? bro. And, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> exactly right it's just getting more and more ridiculous every expansion and i just i don't see where it's going to go next and have meaning right or like i said early on and i I, again i hate to be that guy that's like you know when i was in vanilla we quested uphill both ways in the snow and all that crap (laughs) but it was a better more community oriented experience but now you're getting into like this whole like Raider IO, you're a number, not a player mentality. This yeah. has been going on years and years. And I'm not saying that I'm not the kind of player that wants to play with people that know what they're doing, right? And that I'm I'm gonna be the kind of person that just lets anything slide. I am very um, you know, in, in dungeons, I want to make sure people are learning things and doing the right things, right? I'm not gonna say, you know, whatever, everybody can do what they want. But at the same time, it's like you start, you just take away what really made World of Warcraft meaningful to a lot of people. 
when you start putting in all these all these qualifiers in order to play like i you can't play with me because you're not this spec you can't play with me because you're not this class you can't play with me because you didn't get you know what what do you cover the you know and this xyz ahead of the curve bullshit like ahead of the curve oh my god that just gets in the way ptsd was blocking it out for me but it's like (laughs) that kind of thing where where i think of how it is like now because i i quit how it is now versus how it was (laughs) back in the day where i would meet up with friends we wouldn't even like do something to like achieve anything we would just hang out and run a dungeon and you know people would make mistakes and we would have a few laughs and we would get lost and all this stuff and it was just about like bonding with friends yeah Uh, do like hanging out and shooting the shit in front of the auction house exactly exactly it was about community back Mm. then and granted there was still that that level of sweaty tryhard i'm not gonna say that that Mm. wasn't there but it just got so exponentially worse over time and it became less and less about like as opposed to the douche nozzle being the exception the douche nozzle became the rule and it was like you when you found like a nice person or a nice group of people you just wanted to like latch onto them because that was so rare and that's unfortunate right and 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 i think at the end of the day it it has been over time the soul went from yeah, man. being about like a good game and mm-hmm. building community to how much money can we make off community of this and, first uh, look at that tie uh, into our yeah. title today good job you, you stop listening to the community and it stops being about community first it just feels shitty exactly I mean, what's the common denominator in our discussions today right you kickstarting a game you don't actually care about the community. You're just there to exploit their coin, purse, coin purses. Community's not really first. You lie, right? You make it a new MMORPG and you make it all about your systems. It's probably not going to be all that amazing, right? When you do these things, when you're Amazon, right? Perfect example. Where, you know what I think they've really effed up with, with Will Time and uh, and what they're doing with the, the Rings of Power, like real talk? The fact that you're not doing what Peter Jackson did, and including people in on that journey as it's going through development. I remember those like exhausting videos. I mean, you watch them and the crew and you get these snapshots. I remember Peter Jackson, man. They're in the, you can go watch them on the Lord of the Rings. If you get the bonus stuff, you can go watch it, man. Look, remember those like exhausted video clips? The guy that plays Smeagol in one of them, he was helping with uh, The Hobbit and stuff. And he was helping to produce, uh, was he Was he a second director, I he think, did, wasn't he? He? Did, he did second AD and then he, yeah, yeah he, he did second AD on yeah. that. Um, right. Remember those videos? They were exhausted. They were sharing in the experience and, and they post this stuff and, they put it on YouTube or they put it on socials or whatever, and people engage with that. And they listen to that. They listen to the community, man. Right? They put a lot of that stuff first. And I think that Amazon's been missing out on a huge opportunity with the fan base of these universes, right? This this fantasy worlds of the Will of Time and with the Lord of the Rings or the Tolkien universe, as I say, they missed out on the opportunity to really get that vital feedback. This is something I appreciate about Ashes of Creation in its transparent development. They are literally pull like finger on the pulse of the community and listening, putting like discussion pieces out there and like listening to what people say. Doesn't mean they're gonna change their game. 
right? Or they're going to change the division. But if there's a way that they can like go, okay, we need to really like pay attention. There's an overwhelming opposition to us potentially thinking about doing something like this. We need to listen to that, right? Doesn't mean it's going to dictate what your choices are, but listening to that and being considerate of that and recognizing that the people that are there for what you're building or creating have a very strong opinion about something, like maybe just listen a little bit. What World of Warcraft stopped doing, or sorry, what what Blizzard stopped doing, where Amazon, in my opinion, is also failing, and where so many of these other games who think, Embers Adrift, for example, we can just be silent, and this is my opinion, right? You can just be silent for nine months and decide all of a sudden people are going to jump at the opportunity for this MMO that you're popping out just because you're doing it. Like, that doesn't work. That's not the way the world works. It's not the way people work these days, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Had a really good discussion on Reddit um, for um, Tabletop uh, the other day. It mm-hmm. might have been about two weeks ago. And someone There was a discussion going on about marketing, which has been my day job for a long time. And the discussion was, uh, it was a bunch of little indie mm. people who have their own little homebrew things. Mm-hmm. And it's like little one person teams right and they're all wanting to become really famous with tabletop and everything else and and it's a lot of people talking about how hard it is to market their products because no one can compete with dungeons and dragons right no one can compete with wizards of the coast it's impossible i spend you know 10 months of my time and no one buys my product i only made 250 dollars, like all this stuff well the reality is that and and i did a big long post which got a lot of commentary and and it was it was a good discussion but I went into mm. um, how community building is the number one form of marketing yep. that will win out every day above paid advertising. But the problem with doing it organically like that is it takes a lot of time and it's a full-time job because you constantly have to be producing and you constantly have to be interacting and you got to be everywhere. And you got to be in all these communities doing interviews and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, participating everywhere you can. And that's difficult for people to do mm-hmm. outside of the day job, outside of writing the product and putting the product together and trying to find the time. And then there's people who say, well, when is is there such thing as too soon? And I always tell people, no. Whether I look at what I did with Saga Vasemia or anything mm-hmm. I've done for other brands that I've worked with and what we're doing with Weave in the Void now, I've always started at ground level before we've had a product and I'm sharing the concept art and I'm sharing the early napkin sketches and I'm sharing the first drafts of everything because I don't care if it looks rough or not. What I care about is what Peter Jackson and and George Lucas have done, which is the documentation process and the bringing on board of people who could potentially be fans of your universe and world by sharing the passion with them of what you're building from the ground level and building up from there. It in some cases you might have 6 months that go by before you get anybody that's it's no different than when you start streaming, right? Yeah. Like your first 6 months you might only get like two people tuning in, but eventually you start getting a few more because people are like, "Oh, it's regular and I like the way this guy talks or the way this this girl makes a joke and I like their costume and I like whatever." Community building is the number one tool, the organic marketing, the best thing, but it takes time, dedication, and you have to be willing to go out there and put yourself on display and interact with people and be 
community oriented, yeah. not profit oriented. If the only thing you care about is running paid advertisements or just numbers period oriented, right? Like, like that guy we talked about with Titan reach, like he, yeah, he, that one dude in there going for his community and he goes in there and he's just like, you know, I'm going to give you a copy of my game or I'm going to do this or that. I'm going to, pro- I'm just trying to get more people in my discord. I'll join your discord and then I'll go DM everybody there talking about my game like that's not what you need to do you need to do what you're talking what we've been saying you're talking about right get yourself out there in front of the game and talk about it and engage with people you have to be willing to do it especially as like a smaller company and even with the triple a's i'd still argue it's important just as equally important for so many reasons i haven't done it nearly as much with weaving the void as i did with saga Basemia, yeah. but we also just launched all the websites and everything in november and so then it was the holidays, and then I had COVID in January, and then we're in February. I got to move in March. So it's like we're just waiting. Once the tabletop yeah. books are out in May, June, and we're starting that new campaign up and everything, that's when I'll start hitting it hard and everything. Because I've already done a couple podcasts and stuff. I got one – actually, one of my – I got another podcast doing on Saturday to talk about the Silmarillion and some stuff. And you know, I'm already it's already starting to come together. But it, you just – you got to be willing to get out there and – Preach the gospel, brothers yeah. and sisters. Yeah, preaching the gospel, though, Daedalus. This is the thing I saved to hit you with about, wow, you thought it was over. It wasn't. <laughs> I'm ready, baby. Okay, you know the the Sylvanas arc, bro? Uh-huh. You know that guy, what was his name? Uh, he was the one that got in trouble. He was the one that basically, uh, he, he was at the helm. He, he was the one that also had a lot of the uh, claims against him related to Blizzard. Um, I forget his name offhand or whatever. He was, you know, he, the 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 word on the street from so many people is that he basically said it was the equivalent of this. Let's do this with Sylvanas. Don't worry, I have a plan. And it's uh, and this is why a lot of us are going. So this is why what happened with where she was going didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. Because someone was just like, nah, homie, do this. Trust me, I got a plan in the future. And now here we are with this person not even being there and the plan's off to the side and they're having to sort of, in my opinion, redeem horrible planning around this character and where the story was going. Hashtag retcon. Yeah, (laughs) and they they also have been saying that this is why Battle for Azeroth didn't make a lot of sense, which is why it seemed like we shifted at a certain point. It was a lot of, hey, let's just do this. I got a plan. And then uh, there wasn't really one. And they had to sort of like make sense out of it. Doing it with their power to say this is what we're doing, even when other people are going like, "Uh, so what's going on with the story? Don't worry about it. I got you later, but just wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's a true story, man. So anyway. And this is coming from reputable individuals that either know Blizzard employees or people who are Blizzard employees that were basically reporting on this. So it's it, I do agree. I think that the story's played out. Um Mr. Pandaria was really uh, evident in that i think and i think cataclysm was gave plenty of like you know because i didn't even understand how the hell like anybody else get to the end of cat and go this is our raid this is the final fight 
I see some of those Final Fantasy 14 raids where you've got dragons flying around in Heaven's War going. And I felt I was like, why couldn't fight Deathwing have been like this? Why am I killing coagulated ooze on his back and having to hold on when he dodge rolls in the freaking air? He's in the maelstrom and we're hopping pillars, throwing stuff at his like face or whatever without a body and his like little coagulated arms. Like this is not a this is not the dragon fight we expected when you went and had him rolling over the world and burning things, right? Like shit. Man. Unfortunate. Speaking of from the ashes of uh, something else, it looks like that. It looks like there's a studio forming. It, it, oh, I I may have. Yeah, can I say this on the air? Can I can I be a little not politically correct? Um, there's a, there's don't get me banned, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, there's the, there's a song by a certain group about in my pants. Like I just um, <laughs> I had a nerdgasm about this and and. Did you see the names of the people attached to this studio? It's not no. just the Witcher 3 director. No. It's the writer of – it's like the lead quest designer from Witcher 3. It's like the lead animator from the Witcher 3. It's like the lead level designer from Witcher 3. It's like all the leads from Witcher 3 who like threw their hands up in the air and said, we're sick of CD Projekt Red after what happened with Cyberpunk 2077. We're going to bail and do our own thing. Because our game was like the most celebrated RPG of all mm-hmm. fucking time. And and is this going to be a dark fantasy gothic a dark vampire fantasy type? RP- I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm stoked. As dark as The Witcher 3 was, sure. it wasn't like a hardcore. Like, no. nah. like if they go like the full vampire. Oh, I just I think yeah. I think we're going to see something really cool. Out of I didn't guys. see that. Yeah, I didn't I never saw the Witcher as a dark fantasy either. It was not really. It had gritty, monsters. Yeah, yeah. It's gritty. gritty. That's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. Gritty, but not dark fantasy. Dark fantasy, I think, is something very different. Uh, but I, I posted that quote in there. With that being said, though, does this also kind of concern you for the Witcher 4 that they're going to now be working on? Hmm. That's a good question. Because he did some really good questions. Those quests are good in The Witcher 3. Those every quest I came across or contract I did, that is like that is in my mind, in my opinion, the pinnacle of success in delivering side content that that like works on its own. Sure. Each each narrative all on its own. Some of those side quests yeah. are like 10 hours of content. Oh, I'm you know? good. Oh, yeah. Real good. Um, and I, I will say that mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed the hell out of Cyberpunk 2077. Despite its flaws, it had really good writing and quests in my mind around the main storyline. Side quests, not so much. Um, I still think that The Witcher 4 could be something really good because there are a passionate group of people behind that. But it also is somewhat concerning. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's definitely true. It is somewhat concerning to see the, like the four or five of the people who were at the forefront of The Witcher yeah. 3 no longer being involved with the creation of Witcher 4. It doesn't necessarily mean Witcher 4 is going to be a bad game, but true. yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, that's tricky. I'm going to hold my breath on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I, I echo your your nerdgasm when I read this. It was like, 
I'm a sucker for a good vampire story. I mean, I mm. I grew up on mm. Legacy of Kane series. That was such man. a good game. Such a good. It was game such game. a good thing, and that's like one of those ones are like they remake all this other garbage. Can they please remake this this game? And they just make it into like again. I mean, I'm I'm okay with open world within reason, right? But it's got to have a purpose. It can't be just okay. Let me just check the box and every little thing that I need to do on the map. We make, but that story was so good and it just built up over time. So I would love to see something like that. So being able to see something like this, where you've got like the, like the focus on story driven RPG and just the subject matter. I mean, I would love, I would love to see this like out ASAP because I, I just love that type of story and I'll always have. And the fact that they're like they've you know like just some of the concept art they've got there of like you know some guys surrounded by bats and mm. maybe showing fangs and then you've got like creatures ah oh, this is this is this is giving me some very good vibes and you know because of their pedigree they're gonna get all the funding they need to make whatever they want um, so this is this is really I, I see nothing but good things coming out of this. Um, mm-hmm. However, yeah. there's also the because we've talked about this one before. What is it? Wayward Tales was also a game oh, yeah. by a company with big pedigree. So there is that element. Well, of, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, can they pull it off? But I, I, I would think, mm. given the pedigree of those people and the fact that they're basing their same studio in Warsaw, which is the same place where CD Projekt Red is based, which means they're going to end up pulling from a uh, 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 employee pool of super talented game developers who have already worked on other projects in the similar vein to what they're going to be creating. Yeah, mm. I just I see nothing but good things. Trying yeah. not to get hyped, but yeah, yeah, yeah and same temporary expectations. So like even when we talk about stuff related to Tolkien all the time and everything, right? Like I, even though it's like frustrating, concerning, and all that, like at the end of the day, I'm still I'm still going. I still need to see it delivered. It's possible it can stand on its own, regardless of a checklist, regardless of, you know, I mean, Will of Time wasn't bad. I didn't have historically have any story to base it off of. But even I was like, did feel a bit rushed Didn't feel like there was really a lot of like good character development. I think that like it would have been good to sort of build upon sort of what's going on here. You know what I mean? In people's lives. It was just like I didn't even really get a snapshot of people's lives before you just cut some people down. And we were out. I mean, it was quick. Um Although, you know, whatever, but I, even with it's stuff like this, you know, you got a great pedigree, you know, when it comes to the people that are going to be there, sort of like Dreamhaven Studios with uh, Mike Morham uh, and some of the old Blizzard uh, devs and everything. It, that's great, but that also doesn't necessarily guarantee success either. So, you know, it's one of those things. It's got to wait till we get there. It could be exciting. Um, you know, there's two sides to, to every coin, right? Um mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Elden Ring, I'm going to probably be playing the shit out of that. I'm hoping I'll, I'm I'm planning to and hoping I'll be playing the shit out of that. And I say that meaning I pre-ordered the game. I'm, it's coming out a week from tomorrow and I plan to play it. I'm hoping that I thir- I really mean this. I'm hoping I'm not going to be complaining and ripping this game up. It could happen. I'm genuinely hoping that I enjoy this game so much. I've got my next game that I can just jump in and play regularly and just enjoy being immersed in a world, enjoy the story, take my time with it, not rush it, just soak it all up 
and be very satisfying, right? I genuinely am because, in my opinion, Lord knows we need it, right? We need it. Word. I, I think we need it. Um, but even even with all of that, um, there's another game. I don't know if y'all have heard about it or not. Um, it's called Palia. We, I think we've hit on it here before. I've, I've, I'm in their Discord. Um, yeah. It, 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 the concept intrigues me enough to at least be in their Discord. True. But I'm not convinced that it's going to be the type of game that I'm going to want to play. Yeah, they're talking about their business model. Uh, they got a commitment to being honest and transparent, which I think they've been so far. I haven't seen any reason not to believe that they've been transparent. Um, I don't know if this game visually looks like a game I could play. I just don't know. This one's one of them where I, I don't know that I feel like I know enough about what the story's got going on too. I feel like way less than what we've got with Elden Ring, even at least from what I know. Um, so I, this is a game I'm hopeful for, but I just don't know. Um, it sounds like they're planning on it being a free to play game with a shop cosmetic shop model uh, for the most part. Right. Um, it can work. But I think free to play has some issues um, if if it's not done done right and you don't really manage people that are playing the game because um, you get some assets in there sometimes doing some scummy things. It's one of the dangers, regardless, right? But uh, cosmetic shop stuff, free to play, it can work. I, I don't know this one. I think more so than anything, I still come back down to story. Like I need to get a better snapshot of the story. Elden Ring thematically has a, you know, from the from what I understand about the tarnished in the world already, sounds appealing, still pretty sh- short on the story. This is one I feel like I'm even shorter on the story about. So um, it's one I've been following and just sort of waiting until I see more, you know, and it could be I could be waiting until the day to jump in. Um, I also don't know that I... I think I don't have enough on this one to feel like I have enough of a story to even jump in and give it a shot at this point compared to some, some of the other ones out there, but I don't know what have been some of your thoughts run fell and maybe Daedalus, if you know anything about it. Let Daedalus go. I'm answering quick to Spiro. Yeah. I mean, I would say like personally, I've, I've heard a little about this. I, I agree with you. There isn't enough here for me. Like it hasn't piqued my interest at this point. I mean, the art style is cool. Like just seeing some of the like renders and stuff that they've been doing. um, It's interesting, but again, it's, it's doesn't necessarily feel like the type of game I, I would go for. I mean, I've played free to play here and there just as like, you know, an aside to like other things I was playing. And I get some really limited mileage from those type of games. So I don't necessarily have the greatest opinion of free to play considering like the, you know, the potential for um, pay to win though with this, you know, this game, they're, you know, really focusing on just having viable cosmetics, Mm -hmm. which if it's a community or social game, I mean, that will likely be where they're going to make their income, which, again, I don't have a, I think we've talked a lot about, you know, scummy practices and leveraging like things to make money for making money's sake. I don't have a problem with businesses turning a profit. I have a problem with businesses 
like we've said, sacrificing mm. quality for profit, yeah. right? Or what they deem will be more profitable. Or community so in this case, for profit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So, I mean, personally, I'd, I'd, I will... I will probably like hear about this here and there. I'm not, I don't feel like it's something that's really engaged me. Like say like an ashes mm-hmm. of creation has, um, you know, but I, I think it's, it's interesting to see how it will shake out. Cause this model is, um, you know, taking a look at not having like pay to win mechanics in a free to play, which, mm. you know, I, I like the fact that like Ashes of Creation is focusing on just cosmetics in their shop, but there's also a pay-to-play model too. Right. I, I feel um, like a lot of companies try to promote that oh our pay-to-win isn't or our our excuse me our cash app won't ever be pay-to-win. It's only cosmetic, and then eventually everybody falls to the wayside. And two years into the game, they're offering XP potions and everything else. Or pay for convenience at least, right? Right. Yeah, That's exactly. Pay for convenience. It's that whole thing about like Inigo Montoya, right? I don't think this means what you think it means. It's like people say, well, this isn't pay to win, but it's Games but it's still pay to something, yeah. right? That, just from an interest perspective, I can't. I, I, it's like Book of Travels. It looked interesting, but not enough for me to want to buy it and play it. Mm. Like there's nothing there that inspires me to want to sink my teeth in. Um, I just haven't seen it yet. Um, maybe it'll maybe it'll come out with something in six months, um, and they'll have a good storyline that gets me hook, line, and sinker. But I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I agree with that too. And I think this is this is where I'd like to kind of take us as we round the show off, right? I got a couple couple things I wanted to talk about, um, and it's really open ended questions. And this is for any developer who's listening or watching, because I know some developers do catch the show from time to time. Okay. And I'm going to do this one first. So this is for us, right? Uh, and then the next one's going to be for everyone here. And obviously this question for, for all of you watching or listening to, this applies to you. So let us know in the comments. Let us know what you think. Building your ideal game, right? If it exists, ideal, right? Not the meta breaker, none of that. Ideal game. It, it could be MMO, RPG, whatever. What would be the defining features for us? Think about that, gentlemen. I think we kind of talked. I, about... I can't even get into that. That's way too complex. I think to answer off the cuff. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, I think we've got some of the tools here, though, right? Because we've already talked about story, right? It, yeah, I have to have story. There has yeah. to be good story. Right. The mechanics that you talked about from early World of Warcraft, where people are inspiring you to want to group together and do things together to bring a community together, like those aren't. I used to get into arguments with the editor, who's head of massively OP, because she would rag me about Saga Vasim about, you know, you're building a hardcore game because it forces people into groups. And I always replied to her, well, how come you don't call Monopoly hardcore? You have to right. play Monopoly with a group. What about when you sit down and play tabletop with your friends or poker? These games require other people at the table to play with you, and I don't see you labeling those things as hardcore. So why does an MMORPG get that label just because you can't solo your way through the content? So I think Story is a big thing for me. Yeah. Group-based content in a way yeah. that requires you. And 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 I do think requirement is key here. Like being forced to do things as a group for at least some of the content is not a bad thing because 
camaraderie and it, it always comes back to the things you and can do by yourself are never nearly as important and as mind-blowing and worthy of remembrance as the things you do together with a group. I've always said that nobody gives a shit about Thor going to the grocery store and getting a gallon of milk, but Thor going up against, you know, with the other Avengers and, you know, defeating these galaxy threatening things like Thanos, that is a tale that we want to hear because it's, it's epic in scope. Um, Story, group-based combat are keys for me. A good mm-hmm. crafting system that isn't just something you do when there's downtime. Something that's actually as good mm-hmm. as... Uh, Vanguard is the game that I always come back to. If Vanguard could have succeeded, oh, yeah. that game had everything. The diplomacy sphere, the crafting sphere, the adventuring sphere. And if you wanted to have the best <laughs> gear in the game, you had to do all three of those things and max all three of those those tiers out to get the best gear in the game. So it was everyone working together in multiple spheres, all of that gameplay and story and crafting coming together. I think I always look back at Vanguard as the ultimate, what could have been had it been successful. Yeah. That that's something for me. Solitaire online is hardcore. Yeah. And keep in mind, you know, keep in mind for those of you that are like listening, I know it's a broad term, but it's purposefully a broad term. It's meant to inspire discussion because it's a community based you know, show we we do love the comments and that we sort of thrive on that interactivity between you know what your comments are, what your thoughts are, and a lot of times that'll often prompt like other good discussions for the show. So, you know, uh, you know, drop your thoughts and feedback. They listen to the other thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I would say like story is a big one, like we talked about. I think you know being able to be unique and customize your character, and that could be you know, visually, but I think also having like a rich enough progression system where you have options and you can create like unique and viable, like and and be unique and still be viable. I think the other thing, and we talked about it when we were talking about like some of the wow feedback is just don't waste my time as a player. Mm. Give me, you know, an opportunity to like log in spend 5, 10, 15 minutes if I want to, spend four hours if I want to, and be able to do something and accomplish something meaningful. Um, Mm. I think the interaction piece is really important. Like being able to, I don't want to say force, because I think that's not it, but encourage me to be social as a player, I think is good. Um, And this is, again, more, this isn't as much about game design as it is about like, you know, the kind of player that a game can attract mm. is is really kind of build a game. I would my ideal would be building a game that encourages a community versus it being like everybody out to be like the top dog. Um, I think that's important because the more you encourage collaboration in a game, that's where the stories come from. Yeah. You're not talking about like even, you know, wow, right? Even wow. When you take down a boss, like you, you know, with a group of people that you enjoy playing with, you're not talking about, oh, well, you know, well, some do. (laughs) Some talk about, oh, I did this much DPS, so I'm the best, right? But in in those early days, you really talked about, this is what me and my friends did. You know, Mm. this is the experience we had when when this happened, when when that happened, right? You just said it in a way. I got goosebumps right now. Because you're right, man. Like it used to be about what I 
the adventure yeah. that I just experienced with my friend as opposed to what the fucking parser said. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. The way yep. you just said that is like oh. Yeah. I wish I could hug you right now. That was amazing, dude. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, what let, is that? Let me just give yeah. you an example. Yeah. Like, let me give you an example, right? Like I said, when I was in Vanilla Wow, yeah. one of the most fun experiences that I ever had was not completing a dungeon. And let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. We were in Sunken Temple. I'm not going to lie. We were all a little tipsy. Ah. We were in that place for God knows how many hours. <laughs> it literally was hours. It was two or three hours. That could happen in we there, too. Sun- in, we were in Sunken Temple, running around in the circle. Best time, hands down, that I've ever nice. had in a video game with other people. Nice. And it, was, it wasn't about what we did or what loot we got or how much DPS everybody did. It was about us having fun with each other. Yeah. And telling stories, right? And, and coming up with like nicknames for people right to say hey you know you got really lost so you know you've got to be the king of the fuck are we tribe because you know you just ran around and said where the fuck are we right so you were like that was the kind of thing that i would say it's needs to come back into games i don't know how you can accomplish that i really hope ashes of creation yeah does that that's what i'm like i'm really like aiming for that's one of the things that i really feel like is important for you know intrepid and nail but i say that for any game that involve that isn't a single player experience like even like a co-op experience or a massive experience you want to be able to have those stories about hey look what we did look what we accomplished together when we worked together it wasn't about you know xyz person carrying us it was about us figuring it out or doing something clutch or what have you Uh uh-huh we talk about that. I mean, I think this is like, this reminds me of a discussion point Daedalus and I had on the Ashes Pathfinder podcast about, oh, I don't know. I remember we, I remember referencing the importance of community. I'm, I'm going to say this, mine are a really important, meaningful narrative, right? Like something that just really resonates for me. Um, systems that make sense in that, within that narrative of what the world is. And then community like a sense of strong community and that can happen even in an RPG game without multiplayer elements and can happen in an MMO and MMOs are a really great example where we often see that the most, uh, at least in my experience, because you inherently are there with other people. You're kind of even sometimes forced into that scenario. And we talk in ashes. I remember the reference point around a legendary and remembering on a server when the first person got a legendary, right? And it was like this amazing experience for the server. And everybody was excited. You know, people that knew each other were excited. We, you know, and it it like translates down to like killing the first boss as a guild or something like that, because those moments we accomplished something together. And, you know, back then getting a legendary, it was like a, it was a server wide sort of effort to see that accomplished. Because oftentimes you had the guilds who were in doing the content, you had the crafters who had to make the things that were required, right? And oftentimes those weren't in the guilds. That was like out from other people, like, you know, and they would sometimes pull their resources in the earliest of days between other communities or other players going, wait, someone's going to get this if we can do this. And people that don't even know who got the legendary contributed, like those things happened. It seems, 
you know, nowadays probably like a far fetched idea, but sometimes people would just do it because it was like, whoa, we can actually see what this looks like. That that reminds me of something with Vanilla Wow too, mm-hmm. um, where it there was the community aspect to it. And again, this wasn't a raid; it wasn't a legendary, but it was a quest, an epic quest, right for your class to get them out. And I, mm-hmm. this is again one of my right. yeah. like most beloved like experiences. Not only because it was there was a stakes right it felt like there were stakes in this when i was doing this and it was such a rich experience with me and my friends i would go in and help complete strangers with it because i love like what i my mm-hmm. class felt like my class in this story so i would say that that in and of itself the fact that again that i needed to work together with others to be able to accomplish something i really felt like i was my avatar was who I was. Yeah. Um, those, those are the experiences that, you know, you're, you're going to keep with you. I mean, it's been what, 20, almost 20 years, maybe over 20 years now. And I still remember the, that, that quest and what I needed to do and how I used my skills. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you there, Sam. It's like those kind of things where you just work together and you achieve mm. something, even though, even, if you're not the ultimate, like, you know, winner of that legendary, being able to be at that event and experience that event and participate, that was a reward in evidence. It was. Absolutely. Final thought here is, you know, when you put community first, man, great things happen. And some of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in gaming has always, always for me been around being able to share in that somehow with someone else, whether it was back in the day when I was a kid of going to school and talking about beating Zelda levels or, you know, in an MMORPG these days, running around with my homies, finally calling that in boss to a, to a raid or a dungeon or something, you know, or like Dayla said, just shooting the shit, hanging out, having some laughs, kicking it, having a good time. But on that note, friends, let the gentleman hear any other things you can think of to wind this one down. Any, any final thoughts, if you will? No, I'm, I'm I have expended cool. my energy tonight on yeah, anything nerd same. related. I, I feel like tonight was a very cathartic, like <laughs> outpouring of like yeah. a- anger and rage about some stuff dealing with Lord of the Rings that mm-hmm. we got off our chest, and then some excitement about some upcoming Absolutely. game stuff and show potentials. Um, I think we've I feel like we've run the gamut of emotions tonight of absolutely like, laughing, crying, hugging, raging, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like absolutely. I feel exhausted. Dayless, Renfield, we'll go Renfield, Dayless, we'll go Renfield, going to shout out your domains and let people yep. know where they can find you when you're not on this podcast. Uh, all my personal stuff, streaming and everything else is uh, YouTube.com forward slash Renfield. And then everything I'm doing with my wife and my brother on the world, the weave and the void is done through our Wandering Hermits Patreon page, which is Patreon.com forward slash Wandering Hermits. Mm-hmm. Fifth edition tabletop setting uh, modules. Books are due out Q2 of this year. Point and click adventure game. Book series are published uh, through the Patreon page. And of course, the weave and the void Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash weave and void, where I get together with Simric, the Nathan Napalm, Sparrow, Bounty Code, my brother, my wife, and we are in the last throws mm, yeah we are of the lost mind of fan delver campaign <sighs> we're doing and it and we're moving on then we're moving on to something even 
bigger and better yeah. uh, as the table talk books for our weave and void world come out. So hopefully you'll tune in Sunday nights live at 9 PM central for those mm-hmm. ones. Yep. That D and D campaign, man. Oh man, we're, we're, we're doing it. We're on the end stretch of that one. And I'm, I'm a little nervous, but excited about where we're going. Daedalus. I, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Ashton Herald and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash the Ashton Herald. And friends, as always, join us over here on discord.gg forward slash some more. Catch up with the uh, the cast and the rest of the community around this podcast. Catch up with all we're doing. You can uh, catch us here Thursdays, 5 p.m. But as we might be at the end of to today's show, uh, oh, we are expecting Nathan back next week, so that's exciting. Um, we're always looking for more to join the party. Rants of plenty. Until next week, stay safe, walk in the light, have a great night. We'll see you again real soon, friends. Take care, everyone.